This is Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily with Andrew Hustler-Patterson and Michael Remus. Good afternoon, folks. Welcome to Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Great to have you all with us here on this beautiful Thursday afternoon in Winnipeg and Southern Manitoba. And welcome to the NHL offseason. The Stanley Cup final is finished. The Lightning are back-to-back champs. We'll hit that and much more today on the program. Rennie of Kenny and Rennie fame, Sportsnet Sean Reynolds, going to join us coming up in about 15 minutes or so from Montreal. We'll uh, wrap the final Look ahead to the offseason and uh, talk a little puck with Rennie. And then coming up in about 45 minutes, Jeff Hamilton of the Winnipeg Free Press continues his training camp previews and CFL season previews. We'll get his take on the news yesterday of the uh, shelving of the CFL-XFL talks and look ahead to kick off for training camp on the weekend for the Bombers and the rest of the CFL. As always, we're brought to you by our wonderful family of sponsors, Royal Sports, Little Brown Jug, the Nick and Nikki DQ Group, Boston Pizza, Not Autocorp, Breezy Bend Country Club, Assiniboia Downs, Aikens Lake Wilderness Lodge, and Cool Bet Canada. Uh, let's get right to it and welcome in Michael Remus while I welcome in everyone that is joining us here in uh, on the YouTube. Welcome to everyone. Great to see everyone here. Hit that like button if you haven't already. Um, Remo, we've got a lot to get to. Cup final as well as... My first excursion back into a sporting event, a sporting venue with other fans. Yeah. Uh, first and foremost, how are you today? Large-scale professional sporting event, I think, is the uh, term that the government is using these days. Uh, that's, okay. that's my new favorite. There's a lot of terminology that we have you know, come to get used to now in the last year. Social distancing, uh, gathering, but a large-scale sporting event. Um I'm feeling sore. I played uh, slow pitch yesterday for the first time, uh, but it's a good kind of sore. I'm happy that I was able to see some people I hadn't seen in a while, uh, leave my house past 7 p.m. So, Did you strike out in your first at bat? Oh, not the first one. I think the, se- I think the second one. But uh, I had said that I would. So I think last you know, it takes you a while to get used to it. Last year, we came back, and I forgot how to throw for, like, the first game. So I, I had the throwing down, but... I'll I'll never I pee, this is my peak right here this trophy I'll never I'll never <laughs> be that again sorry uh no doubt it hey listen why don't you throw out a tweet that we're live make sure everyone there, knows that oh we, there uh, that there we is one there oh there is okay one. go oh, give it an RT I will retweet it I didn't see it so uh, we'll uh, let everyone know that that's going on if they haven't joined us already and then we will get right into it um listen before we get to the cup final um. Why don't we uh, quickly get to uh, what happened last night at IG Field? Uh, because we'll be talking lots about the cup final. And certainly, yes, Hustlers Diet Pepsi, we do have, by the way, it's, gr- it's great to have my own fake YouTube account uh, follower coming in here. <laughs> Makes me, you know, we had Rennie's headband, Kenny's water bottle, Remus's mute button. It's about time Hustlers Diet Pepsi got a little bit of love. Um but yeah, went to the game last night. And it was weird because, of course, it was a 9 o'clock game. I mean, originally they were planning this schedule without thinking that fans would be available to come. So um, ideally, I think for a lot of folks, it wasn't really the plan. And I think, you know, it happened so quickly. I don't think a lot of people knew about it. But there was a few hundred people at the game last night. It was an absolutely glorious evening. Um, my old pal Nick Ziff, who will be doing football picks with again as we get into the uh, fall he and I uh, walked over from his restaurant, and um, it was um, 
can't even tell you how great it was to be back in that stadium, our beautiful stadium. It got me excited for August 5th and the bomber opener. It certainly got me excited to take in more Valor games. Um, and unfortunately, as far as the game went, uh, really fun game. Valor ended up losing 2-1. An absolutely incredible goal disallowed on analysts. And I'm not a soccer expert by any stretch of the imagination, but I did speak with some people within the Valor camp. And I think everyone agreed that our boys got hosed last night. Should have been a 2-2 draw. It ended up being a 2-1 loss. They're still 3-1 on the season. But honestly, the score of the game was absolutely secondary. Um, it was great to see a number of Winnipeg Sports Talk listeners out there that popped by and said hi. A shout out to everyone that, that was there. Um, and we'll look forward to doing that again very soon. Um, Reem, lots of questions, though, from people about, you know, hey, how did it work? How uh, did the tickets work? How did the vaccination card work? What about concessions, beers, hot dogs, all that stuff? And here is the official report. First things first, getting into the stadium was a breeze. Um, you know, we had come about five minutes into kickoff. So, and again, this was a very small crowd. I mean, you know, as we discussed, there was up to 2,000 people there. But with the nine o'clock start, with it being double vaxxed, um, you certainly didn't have the full complement of even a normal Valor game. Uh, but those that were there did not care. Um, it was a glorious night. Uh, but anyways, yeah, going in, um, you know, you scan the tickets. But the first thing you have to do is show your Vax card. I just had, you know, a screenshot of it on my phone. Um, and obviously to make sure that it corresponds with you, you've got to show your ID. Um, so ID, quick scan, took 10 seconds, boom, in, scan the ticket, and we were in. Uh, could not have been easier. And shout out to all the people that were staffing the event. We then went in and we're wondering what was the concession story. A couple of the concessions were open. Um, and it was, it was, I was speaking with the concession, the two ladies that were at the concession, and they were just so happy to be working again. Um, it was just such a great vibe at the park last night. And, you know, as I said, the game itself, the final score was, was somewhat secondary. Um, it was great for people to get back to work, and it was certainly great for fans to get back into the stands. I got to give a shout out to the, uh, the Valor Army there in the trench in the corner banging that drum, singing songs all uh, all game long, really adds to a great, great atmosphere. And our old pal Ryan Brandt, actually, who's now um, in the bubble for the five weeks or whatever, working, uh, working down. So it was great to see everybody. Um, as far as the concessions go, I mean, obviously it wasn't like a regular bomber game, but they did have concessions open. Um, I just had a, a coincidentally a Diet Pepsi at the game, uh, but I know Zip grabbed beer, there are the rules where you have to get food with beer, I think are sort of interesting. Essentially, you get a bag of chips with a beer. So I guess that's how that works right now. And we'll see whether those rules are still in effect come next week. Um, but the next game is at 1230 on Sunday afternoon, which unfortunately is probably a terrible time to get soccer fans out for the game. Because, of course, 2 p.m. is kickoff between England and Italy in the biggest game that will happen all year. Um, but regardless, if you have a chance to get out to the game, definitely do it. If you're wondering whether it was going to be a big pain in the ass with the Vax card and all that, it wasn't. And uh, I listen, it'll take you, you when we get to that bomber opener on August 5th, I would suggest taking a little bit more time to get into the building. Uh, but other than that, small price to pay for the ability to get back. And um, as I said, Reem, uh, I think it's a sign of things to come. A lot of smiling faces. One of the great things is when people are like, you didn't have to wear a mask. I mean, once you got into the building and sat down in the seats, I mean, I don't think there, there was a couple people that might have been wearing them, but uh, it was the closest I'd felt to normal in a really, really long time. And uh, 
as I said, it was uh, a harbinger, I think, of things to come. A very exciting season for our Valor team and especially the Winnipeg Blue Bombers who are going to be kicking off in less than one month at IG Field. Yeah, that's pretty awesome. I was wondering, Hus, why the game, I saw you tweeting like nine around nine that you were going in. I was like, why is this game on at 9 p.m.? Don't they know about time zones? But it was good. Uh, I guess that makes sense. They weren't expecting fans. You were there. Sounds easy. Uh, I'm looking forward to going to any type of sporting event uh, when we're able. Maybe it'll be a bomber game. Hopefully the gold eyes can return. But yes, it's feeling good when you're at an event like that. Also, you know, when you're at like RBC, it is like a party. Everyone is in a good mood. Happy to see other people. Um, that's really exciting. A lot of people in chat asking about uh, how it uh, how it was. So I think people are interested. And they want to get back to doing you know the stuff you used to do. Exactly. Yeah, Richard was was Nowski. Now bring back the gold eyes. <laughs> Fingers crossed on that. Um, as we mentioned, the fish sent out a survey earlier this week asking fans their feelings about coming in, how it's going to work. I know I've spoken with Andrew Collier a few times, and they are incredibly hopeful that the fish will be able to come back at some point this season. Nothing happens until the border gets open or things get changed on that. July 21st is that next date that you know we're looking to see. I have a feeling it might still stretch in maybe till around the August long weekend, uh, but we will see. Hey, Coolback Canada in the chat. What up? I don't know whether that's Pat Greg. I know it's not Chris Abbott because Chris, I'm incredibly jealous, is right now he has made his return to Vegas, and I've been jealous following all of his thoughts. But uh, yes, we do have NHL Stanley Cup odds for next season up. Just looking down. Ooh, Jets, 55 to 1. Maybe we'll jump on that early. Get a get ahead of the game. Now they were never lower than fifty to one last season. No respect for our Winnipeg Jets. But again, I'd rather have a big number than a smaller number. Uh, we will get to more cool bet lines a little bit later on when we get to a few of those NHL season bets. Of course, we've got the NBA Finals tonight. Huge match for Dennis Shapovalov at Wimbledon tomorrow, and much, much more. So I uh, just wanted to hit that right off the top. Shout out to everyone that was out at the park last night for the Valor FC game. Um, it was great to see everyone. It was most importantly just great to be back and able to get a ticket and go to a game again. And I hope that is really the sign of things to come. And uh, Remus, you know, it was a good time to maybe do that because, of course, the hockey season is now over and we are now into the off season. But a tip of the hat do, uh, does need to go to the Tampa Bay Lightning, who finished another incredible playoff run, and they are now back-to-back Stanley Cup champions. And really, that will be thought of as one of the great teams in recent history, certainly during this cap no. era. Total asterisks. Uh, shortened season <laughs> last year. Um, bubble. Bubble. This year, 18 million asterisks. Sorry, doesn't, uh, not legitimate champions. <laughs> no, not in my book. But uh, in all seriousness, uh, I, I think you have to put them up there now. Um, I mean, they've had an incredible, like, 10-year run here. Uh, they've lost in a couple of cup finals, won two cups. Um, I mean, they're up there with dynasties of the 2010s, like uh, Chicago, L.A., Pittsburgh won back-to-back cups. Um, pretty pretty incredible. I mean, we wondered how they would, you know, after last year, how would they keep this team together? A timely injury, timely surgery allowed them, you know, not to have to worry about the cap. We'll see what happens uh, going into this offseason, who they lose in the expansion draft as well. But, I mean, this is a team they've been building this a long time. I know a lot of the players, you know, won in the AHL with John Cooper, and now he's got two cups as uh, as head coach as well. Uh, Vasilevsky getting the, uh, the Conn Smythe. I don't know, maybe he got some help uh, from his uh, oversized goalie equipment, Huss. 
A lot, <laughs> that of, a lot of here, let me throw this one up. A lot Let's of conspiracies. Let's get this picture up. I, I, <laughs> a lot so, of, by the way, uh, Vasilevsky and Carey Price are both listed as 6'3", 220, which seemed laughable. And I admit, you know, we can't make too much, too many judgments off of one photo. If you're with us on YouTube right now, Remus is going to put this up. If you're not, you can go to uh, go to Jason Greger, uh, Greger's Twitter account. He put this up. Um, essentially, a picture of the two of them. <laughs> like, look at this. <laughs> what is that? Ben Bishop thinks that Andre Vasilevsky looks bloated and big. Are they not checking these guys' equipment? What is that, Huss? No wonder he was MVP. <laughs> look at he looks like a Michelin man out there. What is that? <laughs> Oh God, that is so funny. Uh, Vasilevsky certainly deserved, I thought, to 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 win. But you know, honestly, if they had gone to Kucherov, I mean, even Braden Point, who didn't have as massive a Cup final, but was you know the guy who scored nine straight games, he had fourteen goals. So, listen, this is a stacked team. I'm fascinated to see what they look like coming back next year because this team knows how to win. And I think they now have a goal to be able to truly become a dynastic team. It gets a little harder when they do have to become cap compliant for the beginning of the season. But as Chris Meany said, it's been disclosed that Nikita Kucherov had a fractured rib and played with that after that mm-hmm. cross check earlier, earlier in the playoffs. Uh, so we could very well be seeing Kucherov on LTIR for the entire <laughs> season again next year. <laughs> Miraculous recovery. We'll get him yeah. skating in and around late February, work his way up into April, and then boom, he'll be good to go for game one of round one next year. You know, it's kind of funny. You, you talk about the salary cap, and you know, I remember when it came out, I was like, oh, we're going to have league parity now. Well, I mean, in the last you know six cups, you've had two repeat winners, Pittsburgh two, Tampa two. Uh, the Blackhawks and Kings, you know, had a bunch early, earlier. So not a lot of cups going around. I guess with the, whenever you have a cap, us NHL teams are going to find ways to skirt around it. Um, maybe this was the NHL didn't see anything wrong with it. Maybe it was. But, uh, you know, whether it's the back diving contracts that were quickly outlawed or whatever else, this was certainly uh, one of those one of those things. So, OK, credit to them. Champa Bay now. Are you are you in on Champa Bay? What do you think of the oh. name? God, grab me a barf bag. And listen, I don't I don't have, you know, hey, listen, the Rays have been very good. I mean, this just pokes me because we all know that this goes back to last year's Super Bowl, which I still am not over. Uh, but it is funny. Speaking of cool bet, I was perusing. Now that hockey's behind us, I was looking at Super Bowl odds earlier today. And uh, the Chiefs are plus 525, a clear favorite. And Champa Bay with Tom Brady plus Champ- 800. Champa Although Bay. You, you, you wonder, you really wonder how Brady is going to handle um, his loss in the match going into next year's, <laughs> next year's football season. Will he be able to overcome hey. the incredible disappointment of being humiliated by Aaron Rodgers and Bryson DeChambeau on national television? Actually, speaking of Brady, yes, he's continuing to bring it on social media. Uh, uh, did you see this? The, uh, uh, the Stanley Cup tweets fyi i'm too heavy to throw tom brady while remembering tom brady throwing the vince lombardi trophy and uh wasn't it the daughter of the person who made the trophy was like really offended 
And uh, Tom Brady replies. That's right. That's right. (laughs) The silversmith that was involved in the creation of the Lombardi Trophy was outraged at the disrespect that Tom Brady would throw the trophy to Rob Gronkowski in a big celebration. Anyways, Tom Brady replies on Twitter. I don't know. Everything feels a bit lighter after some tequila. Uh, That's that's awesome. So we'll see uh, how the Stanley Cup. So I remember last year, the Tampa celebration. Uh, it was like in you know with fans in uh, the middle of the pandemic. I remember a lot of people were kind of outraged. I think that's kind of disappeared. Uh, people, a lot of people were outraged over the course of the last eighteen months. Wow, yeah. that's a, well, that's a rarity. Haven't seen much of that over the course of the last year and a half. Well, I don't know. Yeah, and I don't know when the uh, celebration or parade is. I'm looking forward to that. Always some good highlights, but. Uh, I guess we'll wait. Be waiting to see what Pat Maroon does for a three peat or three Pat. Isn't that what it's called? And you get three uh, cups and your names, Pat. Well, I guess the big question is about Pat Maroon. I mean, how how much will he get on the open market? Will he be the number one free agent this year? Because you apparently can't win a Stanley Cup without having Pat Maroon playing five minutes on your fourth line. Anyways, listen, Sean Reynolds is going to come up. I know we're going to get to this. We've already had people in the chat wanting our comments on it. So, Remo, can we queue up the Kucherov press conference? Um, and while we do that, listen, I, I'm going to give a show to uh, get a couple of our sponsor uh, bits in. You get that ready. We'll play that. And then we'll bring in Sean. Um, hey, listen, a couple big things. We've got Chapo tomorrow in the Wimbledon semifinal. We'll be hitting that a little bit later on when we get to our cool bet odds. Cannot wait. Huge underdog against Novak Djokovic. Um, but what a run it's been for Chapo so far. And of course, Italy taking on England in the World in the World Cup in the Euro final. That's Sunday at 2 p.m. And, um, you know, when it comes to tennis, soccer, and everything else in the world of sports, there's only one place you need to go, and that's Royal Sports. The GOAT of all stores for 35 years in Winnipeg. The Euro merch they've got right now is amazing. Even if you're late to the bandwagon and you want to support the Azuri or the Three Lions, pop by at Royal Sports. They'll get you set up with that. All the incredible merch. we got NFL season coming on. I showed you those draft hats a few weeks ago. Uh, it's all there. And while you're there, check out the incredible bike selection, the expanded camping section this year. Get those amazing Yeti mugs, coolers, and whatnot, and all the great street. We're on the King's Skate Snow and Surfside as well. And uh, if you haven't tried disc golf, may I suggest that you do great selection there as well. It's all at Royal Sports, 650 Rallying EK, and the Superstore at 750 Pemina Highway. Um, also, cannot wait for the weekend. Uh, may have a gathering, and if there is a gathering now, especially outdoors, why not make it better with one of those delicious DQ cakes from the Nick and Nicky DQ group? You can pick them up at DQ Northgate, DQ Neverville, DQ Polo Park, or over in St. Vital at the DQ on St. Anne's. You might want to pick up an Ultimate Grill Burger while you're in there, maybe some chicken fingers, uh, certainly a blizzard. Uh, but the other easiest way to get on that cake tip is, you know, to simply uh, fire them a message on Instagram and give them a follow at DQ Manitoba. They'll get you set up uh, and have it all ready for you when you pop by to pick up. So it's at Nick and Nikki DQ. Big thanks to Nick and Nikki for their great support of Winnipeg Sports Talk from day one. And um, got to say, now that we're finished, the final, we're not finished the finals. And there may be a visit at a BP lounge or patio to watch the game tonight while you're there especially if you're on the patio check out some of the great selections on their new summer menu including the bulldog margarita fishbowl the white sangria spash this peachy mojito royale or the galaxy fishbowl and two great new sandwiches the burger italiano might be selling a few of those on sunday for the game 
And Winnipeggers will love the honey dill fried chicken sandwich all there on the new summer menu at Boston Pizza. All right, before we bring Rennie in, everyone's talking about this. Not as much the game, but an incredible WWE-style heel promo from Nikita Kucherov when he met the media after winning the Cup. Remo, let's cue this up. Let everybody listen to it. We'll discuss and bring in Reynolds to uh, finish up Cup talk and move on to the offseason. Lightning, we have Nikita Kucherov. Media, please raise your hand if you have a question. We'll start with Joe Smith, the athletic. Joe, let's hear it. <laughs> Just, uh, how would you describe your congratulations? Uh, how would you describe your emotions right now after doing what you guys did? I, I, I don't know what to say. Back to back, and yeah, I, I couldn't sleep for three nights. You know, and to be able to win this game is huge. YC was outstanding. MVP. I was telling him every day, YC, you're MVP. You, you're the best player. And then they gave it to whatever the guy in Vegas, the Vizina. And then last whatever year, the guy. They, they gave Vizina to somebody else. Number one bull. Number one bull. YC took both cups. You know, he took MVP and I was keep telling him he's MVP. He's the guy that he's the best. You know, he was on his head today and you know, he kept us in the game, and another shout-out by him, remarkable. Can't even tell more. I'm so happy. we. I didn't want to go back to Montreal, but they acted, the fans in Montreal, come on. They acted like they won the Stanley Cup last game. Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? John Romano, Tampa they, Bay Times. Their final was last, last series. Okay. Wow. <laughs> Listen, I'll tell you what, it's a it's an interview and a 90 seconds of work in front of a mic that people will be talking about for a long time, which is different than 99.99% of NHL interviews. Um Listen, I'm totally here for it. I'm here. I mean, we also often talk about, you know, we want to hear more of these guys' personalities. We want them to be themselves. And I think Kucherov was that. Was that. At the same time, when guys do that, you can make your own dis- You can say, hey, that guy sounded like a real douche. Hey, yeah, that was a classless way of handling it. But to me, I think it's good. I mean, unfair probably to fans of the Montreal Canadiens. Disrespectful to Marc-Andre Fleury and Connor Hellebuck. Didn't even get their names <laughs> into it. Um, but at the same time, uh, you know, Kucherov, hey, you know what? You uh, earn that spot on the podium. You can do what you like with it. And uh, certainly people are talking a lot about it. Let's get to the uh, thoughts on that and the cup final with the man himself, Sean Reynolds, who uh, I basically is now our WST Montreal correspondent. You're still there, huh? <laughs> I'm still I'm here for a while yet. I'm I'm going to handle a garbage bag day and end of season stuff for the Montreal Canadiens. So yeah, yeah, I still have uh, I still have some days before I can get back and enjoy that that's Manitoba summer that everyone is enjoying except for me right now. Well, hey pal, it's great to have you back in the program. Thanks so much for doing this. Uh, first off, what uh, what was it like around downtown after uh, after the game last night? Uh, you know, obviously the game wasn't played in Montreal, but we've seen uh, many fans doing the uh, outdoor gatherings, as it were. Um, wow, what was it like? Was there any aftermath? Did it get ugly, or was it pretty uh, pretty smooth? I mean, not that I saw, but uh, in fairness, I was uh, doing some hits throughout the game in my hotel room and then uh, Kenny and Rennie afterwards. So I didn't get out into the streets. I can tell you it was 
you know, different than uh, than the previous game. Nikita Kucherov was exactly <laughs> right. I mean, they were treating it like they won the cup. And you know what? I lo- I've loved that about these Montreal Canadiens fans, how they've celebrated full heartedly uh, every single positive note along this run. I mean, you know, you know what? There's, I got to be honest. I was a kind of fan when I when I was, you know, before I started doing this, and when you could be a fan, who spent like my entire time being like tense and nervous and not enjoying the process, and then in in times when my teams won championships and I've been able to see, you know, a number of them, you know, it was almost like this exhale. Right. And then you look back on it and you think, boy, I wish I could be one of those fans who like game one of the playoffs wins that first game and like treats it like we're going all the way, baby. Cause I was always that guy thinking like, what was going to go wrong? This fan base is like, we are going all the way without any kind of reason to hope that, but what it means is this entire run that the Montreal Canadians went on, all what 13 wins that they were able to generate were celebrated to the maximum i was walking home from the hotel or to the hotel after the other day and i mean right in front of my hotel was this massive throng of people they'd shut down the streets fireworks were going off everywhere i was walking through the crowd a firework went off and whizzed like right by my head they were enjoying themselves uh, and good on them for doing that. I, I I appreciate a fan base that enjoys being fans and enjoys it to the max. The Montreal Canadiens did exactly that. Yeah. Um. When it comes to fan bases, I don't think there there might not be a fan base in sports that has more ups and downs. Like the highs are so high and the lows <laughs> are so low. I mean, we heard some people in checking in on you. Some people are like, ah, Ducharme is bad luck. Get him out of there. Luke Richardson should be the coach going forward. Yeah. I mean, um, perspective might not be their forte, but at the same time, the passion certainly is, Sean. And uh, I'm sure the second that you set foot in Montreal earlier in the playoffs, uh, you were feeling that from right from the get-go. Yeah, I said that the other day. I said it on the Rod Peterson show that I I think, you know, definitely from what I've seen. And, and when I say this, I'm talking not just hockey, you know, any of the football that I've covered, any of the basketball or baseball that I've covered. From what I see, uh, uh, the Montreal Canadiens seem to be, you know, unmatched in their intensity as fans. You get out into those events. And now I, I want to, because we're on Winnipeg, not radio, but because we're doing a Winnipeg podcast here, I want to make sure I I get this out there. I've never seen anything like the collection of people that came out for the whiteout street party in depth, the way that Manitoba fans, Jets fans show up, they show up wholeheartedly, everybody, everybody shows up there. So I'm not by any means saying, you know, in, in defining different uh, fan bases like this, I'm not disparaging one over the other. Jets fans show up. They are there to support their team. They show up. You, The crowds here were nowhere near the size of that. What I am saying, though, is you get here. And starting at like five o'clock, they start chanting ole, ole, ole at the top of their lungs. <laughs> and they don't stop until five in the morning, right? They don't have those kind of, uh, you know, you don't have to get them going. You don't have to urge them on. Canadians fans have an energy 
that I have never really seen before and an ability to hold on to that energy for a real long, long stretches of time. Uh, and, and I think they've got great perspective. And I've said this before, Hus, too, that it, it exists because so much of this, fran- there's so much success in this franchise that even though if you're under 30, you've never really seen the Canadians succeed before. If you're a Canadians fan, you grew up and everyone learns fandom from their parents, right? And from their their family. And so mo- that's why most people end up being a fan of the team that their dad was uh, a fan of so those 30 year olds their dads walked around with the swagger of having seen you know cup wins in 93 86 and then 79 78 76 well and they teach it to their kids sean too i mean anyone that's ever been to a game at bell mts place or canada life whatever we're calling it now when the habs come into town i mean you have like 22 and 23 year olds walking around like you know, showing their fake cup rings. They've never seen anything like it. But I will yeah. say this, the passion and and you know it being there right now, um, it, it's hard to describe. But that they can again and hockey literally is a religion there and it's a pretty religious place <laughs> yeah well and even the, the the camera guy said that to uh to me he said like they're not even hockey fans in in this city like it's it's not that they're fans of hockey they're fans of the montreal canadians it's it's you know like you'd said if you learn it from your parents it's a family thing it's a cultural thing everyone in this city kind of united and went crazy over that and, and celebrated it full-throatedly uh, and enjoyed it right up to the end. And and you know what? There wasn't this afterwards, this disappointment, this kind of hangover thing. There was this real, like I had been really interested to see if they would have lost on game four on home ice, the kind of ovation that that team would have got from their home fans afterwards. Because I mean, it really is a remarkable run. This is a team that last Absolutely. year went into the play-in as the bottom seed, went into the playoffs this year as the second to the bottom seed and really, you know, gave everyone everything they could handle. I mean, even the fact that they lose that game, I know everyone's saying like, yeah, they were out in five. Well, <clears throat> it took a defensive, you know, performance by the Tampa Bay Lightning to get out of that game. It's a one nothing victory. I mean, something goes right for the Habs in that game. They get a bounce. Maybe you're talking about a game six. They weren't outclassed. Let's be clear. The Tampa Bay Lightning, I think, were the best team in the league this year in the playoffs, heads and shoulders above everybody else. I think the only thing that has made it look like they haven't been a runaway cup champion for two years is that Manitoba boy, Barry Trotz is the best coach in the game and took the New York Islanders and made Tampa Bay look somewhat human over the last couple of years, but they're the class of the league. And even with the salary problems that they've got and the players they're going to need to shed, I fully see that the Tampa Lightning are going to be right there next year. A handful for any team to try and knock off. Well, and listen, when you think about the path, um, and, and I realized the Stanley Cup final wasn't that close, but when you think about that first round war with the Florida Panthers, oh yeah, I mean, that division, they had to go through Florida and then the Carolina Hurricanes <laughs> yeah. without home ice in that second round. Um, and then a seven-game meat grinder against the Islanders. I mean, they certainly earned this. When we, when we, you know, get into next year, two, three years down the road, depending on what happens if they win again, how do you think we'll look back at this Lightning team? Um, because we've seen many people say that, you know, this arguably is the best collection of players, the best team, you know, as part of the cap era. And I know it's a strange time. They did it in shortened seasons. One was in a bubble. But when you think about what they did, focusing on the playoffs last summer and this year, Sean, 
Um, it certainly goes up with some of the best teams we've seen over, you know, the last few decades. Well, here's the deal is they've put themselves in the conversation with the likes of the Chicago Blackhawks, the L.A. Kings, the Pittsburgh Penguins. Um, And, yeah, I know when you're talking about those Pittsburgh Penguins and Chicago Blackhawks teams, the cores of those teams have three cups. So they got to win another one to fully be in that conversation. But at the same time, they're in that conversation after having blown how many opportunities <laughs> on the way to get there? Like the thing about the Chicago Blackhawks, you got to give them credit for is they took advantage of every single opportunity that they had, except they lose on, I don't want to call it a fluky goal, but a somewhat lucky goal in game seven overtime against the LA Kings, the other heavyweight of that era. Right. And I, you know, I guess you could argue that the Pittsburgh Penguins, Missed a lot of opportunities on their way there. But like Tampa went to the cup in 2015, started out as the best team in that series. I covered that series. And then Chicago inexorably got better and ended up taking that cup. They got done in by a team that had the you know championship pedigree the same way that they just did to the Montreal Canadiens right now. And then proceeded to kind of blow the next four years or three years or whatever it was you know, on the way to getting to where they got to now, like this is an organization that had its opportunities, blew those. And the fact that they came out on the other end and have now put themselves as back-to-back champions with a, a team that I think has no reason to expect that they're not going to be right there with the top five teams in the league next year uh, of the teams you would expect to win the cup. Like they, they're everything the LA Kings were and more, I think. Um, I think that, you know, they don't have that third cup the way Pittsburgh and, and Chicago do, but I think they're right there in that conversation. And if they, I'll put it this way, if they're to, to squeak out one more cup, if they were to win it next year, well, for sure, by doing the three-peat, who saw that coming in the salary cap era? But if, you know, over the next two or three years, they're able to win another cup, I don't just put them in the conversation with the Pittsburgh Penguins and the Chicago Blackhawks. I put them above them because of what they've been able to do and the kind of chances that they threw away and I never thought I'd say that about uh, another team in this era compared like I didn't think you could do better in the salary cap era than what the Chicago Blackhawks were able to do but the Chicago Blackhawks had their run and kind of fell you know they've they've fallen into anonymity for quite a long time I don't see that happening with the Tampa Bay Lightning anytime soon no I think I mean with that core even with the cap challenges that they'll have and in all likelihood losing a very good player um, based on the expansion rules to Seattle um, we're going to be talking about the Tampa Bay Lightning come playoff time next year and when people are doing their playoff predictions I guarantee there'll be a lot of people that will be putting Tampa Bay as the last team standing what did you think of uh, the Kucherov show afterwards <laughs> that, that was Total eclipse of the sun level shade that he threw. <laughs> like, no no prisoners. It. I loved it. I loved it. As a guy who like is in here and I'm right now I'm covering the Montreal Canadiens. I cover the Winnipeg Jets. He was, you know, taking a machine gun, taking an Uzi to like two teams that I cover. And I love every last second of it. I loved the I loved his take on, on the, the flurry and Hellebuck stuff. Um, he's, you know, he's definitely, you know, firing a flaming arrow onto the bow of the Winnipeg Jets and onto Connor Hellebuck's boat. 
Um, I think it's an interesting conversation. I think you have a hard time, you know, that we all love to have this conversation. And we know from being in Winnipeg that Connor Hellebuck is one of the best, if not the best goaltenders in the world. I think a lot of people in Winnipeg think that he is the best goaltender in the world. I think it's a hard claim to make when you've got a guy like Andre Vasilevsky who's gone into the playoffs and done this thing where he like continually shuts out teams to close down series, like showing up at that specific time. Connor Hellebuck does not have that in his portfolio that he can point to. Uh, Andre Vasilevsky, when was the last time that he wasn't nominated for the Vesna trophy? Uh, Connor Hellebuck does not have that in his portfolio. I know people are going to say, yeah, Connor Hellebuck does not have the backing of the team that the, uh, that the um, uh, Tampa Bay lightning have for Andre Vasilevsky. That's entirely true. But the fact of the matter is when they've needed Andre Vasilevsky to step up to the forefront, he's done it every single time. He's the guy right now. He's the standard for goaltending in the NHL, in the world. They're just kind of chasing them. And then to the Montreal Canadiens thing, I love that because to me it's recognition from Kucherov that this Montreal Canadiens team, make no doubt about it, they look across and they take a look at what Kucherov did, sorry, not Kucherov, what Suzuki did and Cole Caulfield did in this offseason. If I'm a Montreal Canadiens fan, I love the fact that Suzuki showed that he can hang with the best of the best at the most important time of the year in the most crucial times of a game. And he's done it. He's just a kid. He's just scratching the surface of what he can become. Kucherov takes a look and sees a team in his division with a guy who's up and coming. And I love that he, you know, I love that he called them out, called the city out, was willing to play the wrestling bad guy. Like you'd said, it was a great heel turn. I love that because, you know, you got to think that the Montreal Canadiens fans are going to want a piece of Kucherov coming forward. And he's got his hand fully outstretched and has given one of those to the Montreal Canadiens fans. And I love it. We need more of that in hockey. We complain about it. Not, uh, you know, there not being enough personality shown. That was over the top stuff. I loved every last second of it give me more please I yeah want- like like listen i mean i'm i i'm with you i want to see more of that too but at the same time it has been funny everyone's like oh people are giving it to kutrov well yeah no kidding he came across as an absolute asshole i mean that's oh, all i can say i love it and, I love it. and you know great. what and and then and he'll walk the walk uh he'll talk the talk he'll deal with it going forward um so listen i mean i get why people are talking about it i mean if i'm a habs fan I hate this guy now after that, and we'll be waiting for him the next time he comes. And I'll tell you what, I know there's a lot of Winnipeg Jet fans that'll be feeling the same way and hoping that Connor Hellebuck shuts those guys out when they come to Winnipeg the next time. And I'll tell you what, that's great for promoting the game, having people talking about it, having interest in it. And uh, the one thing I will say, and I tweeted this out earlier, um, his agent earlier today Dan, let me just get his name right. I don't want to. I don't want to screw it up. Uh, Dan Milstein. So these guys partied all night, Sean. There's a picture of Kucherov. I think Stamkos was there. I mean, the sun's just coming up. He's holding the. He's holding the cup. And Dan Milstein, who's at Hockey Agent One, uh, is holding the cup and puts out Nikita is sending kind regards to Montreal Canadiens fans. We are gold star. Listen, that is funny. And as I tweeted this out, I have no issue whatsoever with Kucherov's heel promo last night, but agents should shut the hell up and stay in their lane. Players, you earned it. You have the opportunity to do it. I don't think we need to hear trash talk from players agents right now. 
I, t- I totally disagree. And here's the deal. This, You're this a big is- Alan Walsh guy, aren't you? <laughs> <laughs> For sure, because it gives us something to talk about. But what I saw from Nikita Kucherov, it just makes it so simple and clear for me. Being a hockey player, you know, and dealing with the media are two totally, totally separate things, right? And what I saw last night was Kucherov went out and he he was a hockey player, but then he went in front of the camera and being, you know, doing media is entirely different. And you were talking about him being and looking like a complete and total asshole. Well, (laughs) how many guys in the media... Their entire shtick and why they get rich and famous, Stephen A. Smith, guys like that, they do what they do and they act like (laughs) assholes and it gets them big money. It gets us all talking, gets people wound up. I'm a Cowboys fan. Stephen A. Smith goes out and craps all (laughs) over the Cowboys. No wonder you don't like the great Stephen A. I love Stephen A. Smith. I love that he, as a Cowboys fan, I love how riled up he gets you. It's great. This is great stuff. And what we're seeing from that is Nikita Kucherov recognizing the difference between a hockey player and being, and this is media. This is what you do in media. His his agent is using a form of media to do this and get people wound up. We need more of this. There should be people in the NHL PA department or the PA department who are saying you can go out and make an entirely different living in the media doing this kind of stuff. And we should be doing more of it. It sells the sport. People are riled up over this now. Like you said, Winnipeg fans are going to be fired up. Connor Hellebuck is going to feel, you know, I don't know if he'll feel slighted, but he could, and he may want to stand up and prove something next year. And that's great. That's great for the game. It's great for Jets fans. It's great for hockey. More of this, please. I want it nonstop. Get his agent talking trash. Get his (laughs) girlfriend out there talking trash. Get his dad out there talking trash. Get everyone out there talking trash to each other uh, all right i'm, I'm fully here sad. for you i would love to get some of the wags uh going as well there's nothing <laughs> nothing better than you know when a couple girlfriends or wives go at it on social media as well well you're uh, a cheese fan patrick mahomes girlfriend right oh, yeah like, <laughs> that was awesome that was awesome stuff uh you know it uh it, it was funny and, and as i said um it's out of the norm for hockey and to be honest like you said i mean I, i'm not really going to disagree um you know, the league, uh, while there'll be a lot of hockey people that will certainly think that that was classless and inappropriate and everything like that. I'm uh, I'm not so sure that it's not something that um, might actually be good for the National Hockey League, especially as they look to grow going to ESPN next oh, year. But let's get back to Montreal where you're at right now. It was an incredible run. Um, you know, uh, th- that team. The city, I think their fans have so much to be proud of, despite the disappointment that it that it finished. But it does put this team in a very interesting situation in that I don't think really people knew, you know, at the end of the season with the way they were playing. I mean, the expectations weren't much. You know, most people thought they'd be out quickly to Toronto. And then some big questions as to what the direction of the franchise is going. Are you getting younger? Is this sort of a rebuild well, now you're three wins away from winning the Stanley Cup. I imagine this does sort of change certainly the narrative and the conversations around Mark Bergevin's upcoming offseason, Sean. 
Yeah, well, they've been kind of, I mean, the way that they've been stockpiling prospects and and have like a really respected prospect pool and have had so many draft picks, um, they've kind of been doing that rebuild, but around that aged core, right? And uh, we saw how it worked here. Um, Clearly to me, I've seen enough from this that like the future of this team is Cole Caulfield, Nick Suzuki, Josh Anderson, Tyler Toffoli, Jesperi Kotkaniemi, um, you know, depending on, on like a player, even like Jake Evans, like Ken and I were talking last night about Deno, and I'm a big believer that like if Deno is asking for really, really big money, I don't think you can spend that on a purely defensive player. Uh, and I think what they've seen from a, a player like Jake Evans is that Jake Evans, if he wasn't claimed by Seattle, could be a guy who could somewhat step into that role. I mean, they put him together with that third line, and we're confident over these last two games in putting him out against Tampa's top line, their second line, they like they feel they can play any style. And you heard uh, Dominic Ducharme talking about how Jake Evans' line was the line that they used to shut down Connor McDavid and Leon Drysaddle towards the end of the season. Like, I, I think that you know, with the money that they've got tied up with Carey Price, and that's going to be for a while, and with Shea Weber uh, and and Gallagher, who they just signed. I mean, I, I like that they kept him. I didn't like the number that they kept him at. I think I thought it was too much and for too long. I don't think they can make any more of those mistakes, but they shouldn't have to because they've got this great core to kind of build around. Uh, I I think that they're in a decent spot in that the aging that is going to be done on this roster can be offset by the advancements that you expect to see in a number of these young players. And they still have, like I said, a great prospect pool of guys that they're, you know, it's Caden Gooley, who's, you know, they got last year, who's, uh, in the draft who they're expecting really big things from. And I think that they're right to expect that they've got, they're in a really, really good position. Uh, I, I still think that, you know, I still think having said all of that, they're this team that I see kind of like the Dallas stars and that as good as they are and as close as they just came, if the Montreal Canadians didn't make the playoffs next year, I wouldn't be surprised because you mentioned that Atlantic division. It is oh. the group of death. It is murderers row. I, I'm so impressed by what, with what, what the Florida did this year. Tampa, I don't think is going anywhere. Toronto still has that core and could, you know, potentially be getting better. Boston, you know, they're going to retool. That's four teams right there now yeah sure five teams can make it from a division but it's going to be really really tough to come out of that division and you know the Montreal Canadiens are a team that have shown to me that they can do it in the playoffs they did it last year knocked off the Pittsburgh Penguins gave a really good Philadelphia team that had a lot of momentum everything that they could handle before they got knocked out and then pulled off what they did this year but Regular season-wise, they've been at the, I mean, last year was as good as it got for them, so they did improve, but they still remain this team that falls asleep for long stretches of the season and seems to have trouble finding offense when they need it. I think that, you know, it would be smart to go out and try and go make a big swing and go after a big scorer to add to that lineup, and then you've got the potential to have 30 goal guys in Caulfield and Toffoli and maybe whoever you pick up, and you've got Josh Anderson who gives you that kind of really good type of offense, you know, that uh, 
Um, we always hear Paul Maurice talking about that's the kind of offense that guys like Yasperi, Kotkaniemi, and Anderson are starting to produce. So I think that they've got a really, really good young core here. If they could supplement one more really big piece, I think it gets them into being that team that makes the playoffs every year. Um, I think they can make some noise, and I think we've seen enough from Carey Price to see that while he may not be you know, the guy uh, in the regular season anymore, he is one of the guys or right in the conversation with Andre Vasilevsky as being the best playoff goaltender in the NHL still at this stage of his career. Well, hey, Randy, before we go, um, you know, speaking of adding one more big piece, interesting to know that we've got the... Um, inter- yeah, thanks, Harry. Interesting to know that um, Vladimir Tarasenko's uh, apparently asked for a trade. Um, he's on a $7.5 million deal, certainly, and, you know, accomplished goal scorer. Um, put it this way, would that be a fit in Montreal? And regardless of the halves, what do you make of Tarasenko? Um, and how difficult will that be for the Blues to move him and get value considering the injury problems he's had the last couple seasons in your mind? Well, just beyond that, I wouldn't touch that. You know what I mean? Like, I think there's just too many good young players who are coming up. I, I'm fully in the camp that I think we've seen the, you know, Vladimir Tarasenko's best days are behind him. Uh, even while he was there, he seemed to be, you know, while he was scoring the way he was, he struck me as a, um, you know, a fairly one dimensional player at one time that team really relied on him. I think they'd stopped relying on him by the time they won that cup and weren't relying on him last season when they were one of the best regular season teams, although they had a disappointing playoffs. I mean, you're talking about a player who's a number of years removed from being the guy or an impact player. And I, I'll say it again, even when he was the guy, he didn't overly impress me as a guy. He just had a really good shot and got open for it. He's kind of Ma- Max Pacioretty-esque to me in that, like, those guys, when they're scoring, are helping you like crazy. But when they're not there's not a lot that's getting done. And I thought you saw with a player like Josh Anderson through this Montreal Canadiens run and even through the regular season, when he's not scoring, it's a problem because you want him to score, but he still contributes in a lot of other ways. I don't see, I don't see uh, Vladimir Tarasenko as being that. If I were the Habs, I would not want to go in that direction. If I were them, and this is, you know, give credit to the to the Tampa Bay Lightning. I go back to 2015. They've done so well now because they've got that core that's all kind of the same age and growing up together. If I'm the Canadians, I'm spending a significant price and I'll say this again, like a guy like Patrick Liney is exactly who I would be looking at and p- paying a boat a, a king's ransom to try and get him there cuz he's right in the wheelhouse of what the rest of your guys are. If you can get him in and lock him up, as I was saying as that older core that they have ages out you've got this new younger core aging in of all these players who are sitting in their early 20s right now suzuki caulfield you know if they were to pick up a guy like patrick line well, how many of those guys do you have to give up to get line though i mean that's the thing well, well the thing i would say is in in they're clearly going to be retooling in in columbus so they're going to want futures the canadians have a lot of futures and if you could give up you know, future type players for that without touching that core. I think, you know, you would send, like, I don't know how much Columbus is going to want for right now, because clearly right now is not happening for them. 
you know, I would see their rebuild as being more along the lines of what we saw in Ottawa. And you're seeing in Ottawa the value of what that could be, right? If you get all the right prospects and they all age in at the same time, Ottawa, I'm very interested to see how they how they do this upcoming season. So that would be the kind of rebuild I would expect. And that would be the kind of assets I think you could provide if you were Montreal. But yeah, Montreal is not going after that. If, if, if the ask in return is Cole Caulfield or Suzuki, it's not happening, right? They're not they're not doing that. But uh, if you're saying we're going to take a whole bunch of firsts and a bunch of pros- really good prospects, I think the Canadians can make that move. Uh, Sean Reynolds with us. Um, I will admit, Sean, I went to look for last night's post-game show on the YouTube channel, and for whatever reason, I couldn't find it. Then I got a link through Ken's Twitter and, and caught it. So if people are looking at it, you're wondering, go to Weeb's World. You'll get that link, and you can see what the guys were up to afterwards. Obviously, the series is over. Um, when, uh, when are we going to hear from, uh, the tall, the, the, the minds of Kenny and Rennie again? I imagine you guys won't take the whole summer off. You guys are grinders. Well, if it were up to Ken, we'd be launching a golf show tomorrow and uh, going, <laughs> going every day. Uh, so uh, where, where I, he would I, just t- he would just break down his thirty six holes a day and tell you about his great drives and uh, all of the the putts that he sank. Oh man! Well, he'll be if you think that Ken's a grinder went on the golf course. Just watch now that Dennis tied him in holes and ones. He's going to be out there. That's that's it. He'll tell you it's not. It's eating him alive. He he wants he wants that Winnipeg media title. He wants to be the guy. So yeah, we'll be we'll probably do a, a draft preview show maybe or or uh, you know right before the um, you know Seattle picks a a Jets player. We'll pop in with you know a couple ideas here or there. We don't want to totally go away, but you know it's it's pretty deep in the summer to be working the way that uh, we've been grinding through the Stanley Cup final right now. I'm going to, I owe some time to my family and I owe some time to myself for, you know, that Manitoba, awesome Manitoba summer that everyone's having. I want a piece of that. I want as much of it as I can get. So, but we'll be around, we'll be doing stuff. And uh, like you'd said, uh, if you follow Ken on Twitter and a lot of people do, um, he'll be giving people a heads up uh, on when we're going out. Yeah. And listen, if you've muted Ken, make sure you unmute him. So you get more of this information that's coming out. I just, jokes uh, kenny th- or rennie thanks so much for doing this um we'll uh, certainly have you guys back we'll let people know when you guys are going to be coming back there will be lots of jets news and fun hockey news in these last couple of weeks and sort of a slow august and then right back at it in september thanks so much and uh, enjoy montreal and good luck reintroducing yourself to your wife and kids when you get back home <laughs> that's right Hus, thank you so much for having me and say hi to that stud jeff hamilton <laughs> i will thanks pal there he is sean reynolds joining us live from montreal wrapping the cup final and uh, if you haven't already, I'm sure you are. Check out the Kenny and Rennie page over on YouTube. I think Remus just threw out a link in the uh, in the live chat. All right, Hammer's coming up next. Looking forward to that. First up, big thanks to our great friends at Not Autocorp for their support of Winnipeg Sports Talk from day one. If you're thinking about a new vehicle, why not get into the vehicle of your dreams at an incredible price with the help of the Not team? Popeye and Seam at Waverly and McGilvery. Incredible vehicles on site, including a large selection of Teslas. They've been a Tesla leader in Manitoba for years. And if you're in a vehicle right now and thinking about, you know, you want to get out of the lease or move on from yours, talk to them about their consignment program to help you get max value for your present car while getting into the one that you want to be in your future for you and your family. Not Autocorp. They'll also detail your car. Got an amazing service department with Red Seal technicians. If you have any automotive needs, whether it be a new car or on your present one, find out more Waverly and McGilvery, and you can check them out online at not.ca. Gorgeous weather coming up, heading right into the weekend. 
I would suggest you make these summer nights even better with one of these amazing little brown jug summer lagers. This is my new favorite, although I am also a big fan of the Hefeweizen. And I think as anyone that's ever tried it knows that 1919 is the champion of local beers. And it's all there at Little Brown Jug. Now, we've been telling you all summer long, you know, throughout the pandemic, it's easier than ever to get it home delivered right from their website at littlebrownjug.ca, along with some amazing merchandise as well. But in addition to that, the tap room is open 12 to 8 right now. If you've never been and checked out their spot on William Avenue, it's just a phenomenal place to go and meet friends for some delicious beers have a couple slices of pizza, and of course, pick up any little brown jug product you need for home services. Um, So check it out, William Avenue, and online at littlebrownjug.ca. Again, try the summer lager. Um, And of course, Breezy Bend. And you know what? Just on the Breezy Bend note, we can't wait to get out to the course, maybe this weekend. Hopefully going to make my return to the golf course very soon. Hanging out there, hitting a few balls, getting ready to return to the game. Uh, But, man, it's been a busy summer out there. The course is in incredible condition right now. If you're thinking about maybe making a new home for your family on the golf course next year, find out more on Breezy Bend. Waiting list for next year. Amazing junior program, ladies program, as well as great men's night and um, so much more social activities as well for you, the whole family there. And while we're talking about Breezy Bend, a quick congratulations to Braxton Kuntz, who won the Manitoba Junior title yesterday at Shiloh. Another great product of the Breezy Bend Junior system. And uh, we'll give a hat tip to Claire Peak as well, a public course golfer who won the girls' side of things for the Manitoba Junior title. So big shout out from uh, to Breezy member Braxton Kuntz and Claire Peak for those Manitoba titles yesterday out at Shiloh. All right, let's turn it up a couple notches. Guess who's back? The ha- it is hammer time on Winnipeg Sports Talk. Jeff Hamilton of the Winnipeg Free Press joins us now. What's going on, bro? Have you settled into the new pad? How are you enjoying your uh, the, the neighborhood and uh, your uh, your new housing situation uh, not too far away from me? Yeah, it's awesome, man. I mean, as you can tell, I got to get my crown molding up here pretty soon, but it's uh, it's been nice. You know, I, I uh, appreciated the... The, the conversation you had with Reynolds, I did my second button up in honor of him. Uh, I also, uh, <laughs> also noted, I want to double down on your sponsorship and say that little Brown jugs, uh, to, to visit them in person. It's awesome. I've had, a, I've had a couple opportunities there. So it's great. So as far as a new place, awesome, man. I mean, I, I look forward to being in the old place eventually. And, uh, you know, and finally getting that beer. I know I've reached out to you a couple of times. Um, uh, you know, I'll be done it. I'll be done at about 3 PM. I'll be done at go. about 3 p.m., my friend, <laughs> wide open. Actually, I'm go. doing a podcast tonight. I know the 18 over par guys have been in the YouTube chat. We'll be checking that out. I'll tweet out and let you know where you can check that. I'll talk a little golf and some other fun stuff with them. Those are my boys, on. eh? Yeah, exactly. You well, were I mean, looking for the scout report on Huts. <laughs> I got a couple text messages the other yeah. day. Looking it's for an open skeleton. book. I don't, yeah. I don't think there's anything that you'll find that you don't see on this when I jump on that. So, uh, yeah, hey, right listen, on. before we get to CFL, um, just final thoughts on uh, the NHL season ending, uh, Lightning winning the Cup. Pretty amazing run for the Montreal Canadiens, but it became pretty clear pretty early in this series that um, the Tampa Bay Lightning were the class of the National Hockey League. And, uh, you know, credit to the Habs for winning a game, getting it back to Tampa. But I don't think anyone was surprised by the way this one finished up. Yeah, I don't think anybody was. I mean, just if you look at the depth on that team, it's going to be a fascinating offseason for Tampa Bay and, and you know, see if they can do some of their wizardry again to to get 
you know, get that roster as close to what they've seen over the last two seasons as possible. Uh, a couple takeaways from last night. I just, not that I can't get over it. I just absolutely love the fact that Pat Maroon has won three straight Stanley Cups. I think that's just so, so such a cool accomplishment for him, for a guy who, if I was reading it correctly, had thought about giving up on the game uh, at some point in his, his career. He must be reflecting on that pretty hard. Uh, some of those some of those post-game interviews I managed to stay up for a little bit. Kucherov was obviously hilarious, you know. Um, uh, you know, just as far as the season goes, I mean, for a shortened season, man, did it feel like it was a long one, you know? So, you know, it's it's nice to kind of put some conclusion to to the year, you know, as, as predictable perhaps as the final was. It was also great to see Montreal. I mean, absolute kudos to them, um, you know, what they achieved this year, the, you know, some of the turmoil they went through early on to then come back and then to see Carey Price, um, you know, for, for him to have the playoffs that he had you know, minus a couple of games in the, in the finals, perhaps. And then to see guys like Cole Caulfield come onto the scene and Nick Suzuki continue to impress. I mean, you know, a lot of us were thinking that Montreal would be a good team ending the season. And, and ultimately they proved to be just that. So unfortunate that, that it was a pretty exciting playoffs, really exciting playoffs um, for it to end in five games is, you know, it's not exactly ideal for anybody, but uh, you know, at the same time, Tampa Bay was that good. And we, we were definitely spoiled, I think with a lot of series leading up to that final. All right, let's get to the Canadian football league because training camps get open on uh, open on saturday uh we've seen players come in they're doing their quarantine right now and uh, i will direct all cfl fans if you haven't already been reading in the winnipeg free press just been breaking down each and every team going into camp as we get ready for the season but before we get to all of that the big news yesterday was the announcement that uh there were shelving talks between the xfl and the cfl what does all that mean? Is that just we're taking a time out on this? The XFL is not planning on being back until 2023, so we'll get to this later? Or is this a realization that maybe this wasn't a good idea and they're going to go their own way? I think it's the latter. My, when, I first saw the, when I first saw the release, my, my original thought was, okay, CFL, is this, your, is this your work to kind of claim that conversations are off and so that they wouldn't they did say at this time at this time kind of got people a little "Eh." totally i mean not not ending conversations and not and not really being all that specific in the announcement right because i you know i still was left with a bunch of questions i started doing some calls afterwards and and sure enough you know it it is more to what your second point was where i think they they had kind of hit a deadline where both needed answers particularly the xfl because if you think about the xfl and their you know perspective they're not they're not worried about a 2021 season and putting things on. They're worried about selling that 2023 season. And they need to have a better idea of what that league is going to look like when they go to their sponsorships and everything else. Right. So I think they put a quiet deadline in place. And I think as time went by, the CFL, and again, this is kind of speculation, just like it's always kind of been speculation from that original, uh, you know, announcement that they they were in talks and you knew it was more serious than just conversations because they'd been talking for eight months. Uh, and then you get this announcement. And, and I just I just think it's one of those things where, you know, the CFL maybe realized that first of all, the backlash, like I just find it so funny to have to bring it up again, was that like the CFL was parading these numbers, these impressions, if you will, on social media that look at the CFL, how everyone's talking about them and, you know, million percent more than this point last year, which didn't even have a season. And, uh, you know, just kind of parading the fact, almost kind of arguing that any news is good news. When I think if they would have really looked into those impressions and got the opinions of a lot of people who love this league, it was predominantly negative. 
negative. So whether or not they picked up on that feedback, I imagine there was a lot of people who sent notes to their respective teams, a lot of people who uh, sent notes to the league office, who met, you know, social, you just have to look at Randy Ambrosi's profile to see how many people reached out to him to share their opinion. Perhaps there was a little bit of, of that play, that was into play knowing like, okay, we got to be careful how we go down this. And then with those conversations, again, speculative, but I think it's common sense that the league would have seen, you know, maybe too much of their game being lost in this and maybe recognizing that although yes, these are great partners in, in Dwayne Johnson and Danny Garcia and red capital and all that stuff that, you know, we do have an identity. We do have, we do bring a lot to the table. We're established mm-hmm. all those things, even though they do have a broken, you know, uh, business model, which I think is probably helped out by the fact that single game betting probably played a, a decent role in that. But ultimately, they've led to the point where they're no longer talking. That's where we're at. Conversations done. They're they're done. They're not like one of those. Let's just take a break and reconvene. You know, at a later date, that hasn't been agreed upon. This the, at this point in time, it's over. So any idea or any chance of a an alignment or a partnership or anything, you know, with the XFL is out the window at this point. Now, could it come back? Absolutely. But I think one of the bigger takeaways in all this was not the announcement by the CFL, but the announcement by the Edmonton Elks, who went out of their (laughs) way to tweet that they were in favor of this move by the league to a pleased conversation. pleased was the word <laughs> which in which in what they said and what they meant is absolutely thrilled and we wish we never went down this in the first place this avenue in the first place which completely contradicts the league's message that they were a united front on the xfl and proves that they in fact were not and that there are teams out there and you have to think anyone outside of Toronto and Montreal particularly and BC who's trying to sell their organization um, and want to see the value of that rise because I don't know any businessman in their right mind who would buy the BC Lions you'd have to pay me to take them (laughs) over at this point is that you know there wasn't that united front there wasn't a complete you know, agreement that they were, they were going to go down this wave. And the other part, the important part, and I kind of tweeted out, not really tongue in cheek, but a little bit was that they signed non-disclosure agreements. The the league, the league personnel were not supposed to talk about the XFL. And so for a team to come out there and put on Twitter that they're pleased that these (laughs) negotiations are, 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 have been, you know, halted, Tells you everything you kind of need to know about who's kind of running the, the running the show at the XFL, maybe even the CFL. And then it, then the obvious follow up question is, well, what does this mean for those markets? So those markets certainly did they, they, they suddenly think that internet international because that's all this is. Right. I mean, you look at they wanted an international game to sell. That's the MLSE way. That was, you know, Montreal and the fact that they have connections to them. And of course, BC wanting to sell their organization. So do they all of a sudden change their opinion about international. Probably not. And as we know, MLSE has a stake in Bell and and, and they have TSN, of course. So I, I'm kind of I'm not kind of I'm very curious to see what the fallout is. But I can guarantee you that we're going to get the messaging that, yes, every team is now, you know, committed uh, to to growing the CFL game. Um, and anyways, the last comment on that just being, you know, CFL fans rejoice. Those who thought it was a, a you know a ridiculous idea and, and whatever, I believe your voices were heard and you ultimately got what you wanted. So, well, so and, 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 and you know what's funny, Jeff? I mean, you mentioned that all those impressions and all the chatter that they were sort of saying, I, there was, I, I think, one very good part of it is that it forced a lot of people to sort of stand up and, 
you know, talk about why they love the CFL, what makes the CFL what it is, right, and frankly, sure. what they were afraid of losing. And, you know, whether that resonated with other people that hadn't got on board, I guess we'll see going forward. But the combination of that, the opportunity, really, these teams are going to be, you know, outside of, you know, the soccer I went and took in Valor, but obviously the fan base of soccer is nowhere close to what it is CFL, especially in markets like this. Um, I do think that once these stadiums get opened up and, you know, with the opportunity to fill the stadium, people are double vaccinated. I do think that there'll be some people that maybe weren't normally regulars at IG Field or, you know, in Calgary or Edmonton or Hamilton, hopefully Toronto and Montreal might actually go, you know, there's been a lot of talk about this. I'm going to go give it a chance and, you know, hopefully maybe get hooked as part of, you know, going out there and being entertained and, and enjoying the CFL. Um all that being said, you're right. Everything can be spun one way or the other. And we have seen a whole lot of spinning when it comes to everything involving this league during the last 18 months, losing a season. And of course, what's happened with the XFL. But the good news is, Hammer, it's all systems go and training camps are opening on Saturday. Um, when you're talking with people around the league right now, uh, you yeah. know, before things get going. Um, what has been the big talk among CFL media? Has it been some of the names that aren't showing up that have been retiring and, you know, maybe teams kind of crossing their fingers and seeing how things look when they see who's actually there for them on Saturday? Absolutely. I mean, and it's something that you alluded to kind of early on was that, you know, there's a big, there's a lot of unknowns, right? Like, so there's a lot of things that people like, you know, there's a lot of, a lot of chatter around, okay, so if you look at the Winnipeg Blue Bombers, for instance, okay, you look at their roster, they were able to bring a lot of people back. Hamilton's in the same situation to a certain degree. Um, and they and a lot of, obviously, two really good teams last season. And that consistency is going to matter. You can argue that consistency is going to matter because – you're gonna you have you do have a training camp, but you got no preseason. So all the Americans that you're that you have never seen or or particularly don't have any CFL experience are going to be in a tough situation. So those battles are probably going to be in favor of maybe not the better skilled player, maybe just more experienced because you can't really you got to try it as best as possible to hit the ground running in a shortened season, right? I mean, so there's the there's that there's that obviously that concern of not having those experienced players. But then when you look at the bombers, how many of these guys are well into their thirties and what are they going to look like when they hit the field? You know, and I don't want to, you know, single out guys like Andrew Harris and, you know, uh, Adam big Hill, just massively big contributors to this team because they very well could come and be great, but that much time away from the game, it's not just whether or not you're working out, you know, properly, which I'm sure would have been a struggle, particularly not knowing when seasons were, you know, if a season was ever going to come, including this year, but also whether or not you can take contact. Right. So, you know, what, what are the advantages? How are you going to, how are you going to schedule out training camp to ensure that you have the fewest injuries possible? Because the fact of the matter is, is under regular conditions, there are usually a ton of, of injuries to start the season. Like they just are guys are pulling hamstrings on the first day, second day, whatever those guys who didn't work out as much were exposed. And that was again on, on regular seasons in, in the last year where depending on where you lived, you might not have had an access to a traditional gym or a trainer or whatever. So you might've been left up to your own devices to figure that out. And that that's a whole other element of accountability. Now, you know, as far as storylines and stuff going to, 
health is obviously a big one. I think vaccines is a massive one. Uh, you know, there's not a lot of talk about, you know, how many teams have X amount of players vaccinated. I know some teams are over 50%. I believe the Bombers are over 50%. Saskatchewan, from what I understand, is is high up there. But there's some teams that haven't hit that threshold. And, and, the, and so with the vaccinations, as we've seen in, in the NFL, they have clearly created a division between those who are vaccinated and those who are not and the freedoms in which you're allowed to play under. So in the CFL, those are it's they're going to everyone's going to be treated as if they're not vaccinated. So what kind of effect is that going to have on teams? You know, is there going to be changes? And, and at this point, the league is only going to make changes every six weeks. So all the rules, all the restrictions, which are going to be pretty heavy, are going to be in play till at least the start of week three. So for at least at the very least, the first six weeks, including training camp, you're going to have these restrictions. You're going to have these pullbacks. So what kind of division is that going to create? So it's kind of funny that a lot of the talk is almost off the field rather than on it. And then I'll tell you this, as you mentioned earlier, that I've gone through this series, I've gone through this practice and exercise of going through every single team in the CFL after a year and a half break. And man, some of these teams look different. I mean, Toronto ultimately bought a team, a lot of, a lot of big playmakers, but again, up there in age. And you're wondering how they kind of work within the cap, but pinball Clemens said, of course they have. And that in fact, quote unquote, better situation than a lot of other teams. So but, you know, there's a lot that's going to be exciting. I think fans, uh, as you mentioned kind of earlier, too, are, are because they've been away from the game so much, they're excited about it. There's, you know, I think I, I changed my opinion on people wanting to go to outdoor events. I think we've hit a situation, particularly in Winnipeg with the double vaccination, where people will be encouraged to leave their house, do something that's fun. Um, but as far as the season goes, I mean, that's really the best part to me is that there's so many things at play, so many things that we need to kind of figure out um, and let and ultimately let play out that we don't really know who the favorites are. Hamilton looks really good. Bombers definitely brought back a majority of their team, as I mentioned. So you'd assume that they're going to be in a, in, in a good situation. Uh, Saskatchewan definitely looks good. Uh, Montreal had a, a, a you know feel good story in 2019. Can they continue it? Ottawa doesn't look like they're going to get out of September. Sorry, Lapo, but you you're, you've just had not only was your roster thin, but you've had the worst luck in the off season with these retirements, which is another thing. We've seen a lot of retirements from guys who have decided at the comfort of their homes that they're not going to be able to do this. How many guys are going to have that realization within 48 hours um, of being here? And that's going to occur. So there's lots of moving pieces this season that, yes, we'll do our thing as media. We'll make those power rankings. We'll we'll tell you who's good. We'll tell you who's great. We'll tell you who's trash. But ultimately, it won't be until August rolls around that we're going to actually have a better idea of who's going to be where and just how many of those players that committed to their teams are going to be ready and able to compete come week one in August. No, I, I agree with you. I mean, to me, I'm looking at the CFL season in some ways a lot like I'm looking at this NHL draft, um, you know, more unknown than any one we've seen in previous history because we don't have the same background as we normally do going in. And your points are very well made, Jeff. Um, You know, football there, there's no sport that degrades one's health more than professional football. Now, one would say the argument, and I know we had Andrew Harris on and Adam Big Hill, and these guys have said, hey, I haven't been getting hit for 18 months. I mean, I have never felt better in my life. Part of and, the argument. You know, ho- hopefully that will be, that will certainly be the case, um, you know, when we're looking at some of the members of the Bombers. But at the same time, um, 
I have to think. I mean, you've got two classes of NCAA players coming out, a lot of guys looking for work, younger, and guys that actually have been playing over the last 18 months. It wouldn't surprise me at all if we got to a point, you know, after Labor Day, we're getting to the week six, week seven of the season, and we start looking at the guys that are dominating in tackles and, you know, the, the leaders in some of these. I think that we there might be some names that CFL fans have never heard of before that can come in and maybe make major impacts both out of need and necessity for teams, but also because of the opportunity there that so much has changed in the last two years. Well, and that's exactly it. I mean, when, when I say that how many of these established CFL players are going to fall out of the mix, you're just adding the other element where how many of these players who were in better shape, who played football more recently are going to come in and just be at a completely different level than their counterparts. And then you're going to see the rise of maybe some guys that, again, like you you didn't know or didn't have CFL experience or have a little bit of CFL experience enough to kind of get over some of those bumps, but again, have no idea who they are, who suddenly kind of shine. That's, that's the beauty of this season for me is that there are so many unknowns and everything we think we know, we don't necessarily know it to be true. I mean, people can come on and I'm not pointing out those two guys that were on your show, but if I'm interviewing anybody over this off season, no one's telling me they're sitting on the couch, eating a bag of chips and not doing workouts. I mean, why would you do that? Right? So the, the reality is, is we're going to get the truth come training camp and we're going to get the truth for some guys real early because they're going to be, it's going to be a, a, you know, as you often hear, it's tough to kind of get into football shape. So as much as you want to replicate a lot of that stuff, and you're right, Huss, too, at your earlier point is that there is a benefit to some guys, you know, look at a guy like Matt Nichols who might've been ready for the training camp in 2020, got an entire year and knowing him, he probably did do a lot of work to ensure that, you know, he'd have some stability in the game for him and his family. So, uh, you know, he's a guy who, although is injury prone, I think he would have put that work in just given his paycheck and everything is a lot less incentive for other guys. Um, so yeah, I mean, that's, that's the beauty, again, the beauty of this, of this year, the fact that we don't know everything that's going to happen and we're, we're, we're setting ourselves up for some, what could be some pretty, uh, Interesting surprises. Yeah, no doubt about that. Hey, focusing on the bottom, well, just to your point, yeah, there's never been a guy that says, hey, how are you feeling about the upcoming season? They say, well, to be honest with you, I didn't think there was a chance in hell that we'd be exactly. playing. I'm 35 pounds overweight, and uh, I don't know what the hell I'm going to do going to camp. Yeah, we, we won't get that. And there have been some players back to the whole, you know, restrictions on it. I mean, Brendan Labatt, Brendan Labatt didn't retire. No, he just said that he's not down with that. And I've heard some rumblings from some other players, you know, here in the city, not necessarily on the bombers that are, you know, thinking twice about going there. Now, obviously you pretty much had to make your choice already because most of these guys had to be in quarantine in their markets and then getting into camp. But it is going to be a really interesting first week of training app going forward, focusing on the bombers. Um, what are the big questions for you about this team going into training camp outside of the obvious ones that we have for each and every team uh, as far as where they're at after this long being off the field? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Besides all the other things we've been talking about, about, you know, wondering what, you know, age might do or, or off field stuff. Uh, you know, there are obviously a couple areas of the roster that are, you know, in, in question. I mean, when you lose Winston Rose and Marcus Sales on your boundary side and, and you know, you were, your your defense was essentially the crutch of your team and, and the ball hawks that the secondary you know, proved to be at times. I mean, that's a tough fill in. And, and right now, I mean, they don't really have a lot of guys that can fill in that spot. I mean, yes, they picked up Josh Johnson, but is he a boundary corner? Probably not. So, you know, that's going to be an interesting spot. I mean, again, that could be given to a guy who is an up and comer who's just athletic and ready to ball out, but it's a, it's, it's, it's an, it was an established 
strength of the Bombers that's now perceived as a weakness. So the secondary is a bit of a question mark. Um, the beauty for them is the O-line is essentially the same. Um, you know, Michael Couture is taking over for uh, Cody Speller, who, who, who went to B.C., um, you know, his, you know, that, that opportunity there to, to play, sorry, he went to Toronto, um, that opportunity for them to be protecting a guy like Zach Caleros, because that's gotta be a question because Zach Caleros came in and became the hero. All right. And I'm not trying to just, you know, constantly bring up his health. He proved that he was able to do it. He, he went on the road for all those games in the playoffs and proved that he's a champion and proved that he's the number one guy here. They are very thin behind it. Now, I don't, this is nothing against Sean McGuire, who I know the Bombers are high on, but if you don't have the, the game reps, and he certainly doesn't, I think he attempted three passes last year, um, you're, in, you know, you're a bit in trouble. Like, you know, you're not the Hamilton Tire Cats who have Dane Evans behind Jeremiah Masoli, right? You, and, and don't get me wrong, the Winnipeg Blue Bombers are not in a unique situation. There are other teams in the CFL that don't have a bona fide number two. It's just if you don't have that, with Zach Caleros and we know his injury history, there is a question mark there. So that's a bit of a concern as well. Um, when you look at the defense side of things, I mentioned the secondary, the linebackers are still very much um, the same. The, the front is, is obviously good. You have Jeff Coat and Jefferson doing that. You lost Drake Nevis. Um, but, you know, you have Steven Richardson who comes in, the stove who, who can play. He's not as good, but he, he's not a major drop off either. Um, you know, and you look at the offensive side of the game. I think there's, you know, I still think there's a bit to be, a bit wanting in the receiver position. And, you know, I know I wasn't going to touch health, but we all know how important Andrew Harris is to this team. So he needs to be that good um, to protect Zach, you know, to protect. And he's not just a guy who runs and throws the ball. He's a big blocker. So, you know, a lot, a lot of, uh, I don't want to say pressure, but a lot of expectations on his shoulders. Um, and, and you look at the receiver group, it's kind of the same thing, you know? And so, you know, will Zach Claros be able to get more out of it? I know you had Cam Meredith on on your on your show. You know, he's an interesting pickup, obviously, a very interesting story. Can he regain some of that magic? We've seen a lot of NFL players come to this league and, and kind of flame out. But, you know, he's a young, he's not old. Um, he's, he apparently is in, in great shape and the knee problems behind him. So it'll be interesting to see what he can do. But, you know, it's just I think that's one of maybe the weaker areas. And I'm not trying to, you know, try, trying to show shade on guys like Darvin Adams and, you know, you know, all the rest of the crew, obviously, you got Rashid Bailey and, and you know, Lawler and all those guys. And, and obviously you have, um, you know, it's, it's an OK group at best. So my point is, is that you also have Buck Pierce as the offensive coordinator. Now, I think that's a great thing because I think Buck Buck has been in waiting for this opportunity um, for a long time. And I don't know why I forgot Nick Dempsey's name, but he's obviously, you know, had a good season last year, too. But Buck Pierce is the guy that everyone loves on offense. I'm not saying he didn't love Lapo. Lapo was the mind and everything. But there's a connection with Buck that is maintained with the quarterbacks and with the offense in general. And I'm really excited to see what he brings to this season this year because he's been working under Lapolis, which has been an absolutely incredible opportunity for him to learn. He's turned down jobs in the CFL to be an OC in the past. This is his time. So what can he do with the offense? I mean, at the end of the day, I think the West division is going to be tough. I think there's a benefit. We always count out Calgary when we see as much turnover um, as we've seen, but Calgary looks like they almost have too much turnover. Um, never count out Calgary. You never doubt them though. So they're probably going to finish first, but it's a very competitive West division. And that's kind of where, you know, you might be, where you might be a little bit more critical of teams areas because, you know, playing in the West, you need to be better, you know, and, and, and what we've seen from the West, there really isn't a crazy weak team. Now the East has also apparently gotten better. If you've heard those narratives, um, 
that 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 might add a little bit of intrigue into the season. But as far as the Bombers go, they're in a good situation. Uh, they're they're definitely obviously have the coach. They obviously have the systems in place. There's a lot of continuity that's going to benefit them in training camp. They have a great athletic therapist and and Alain Couture who is going to do a great job making sure that players aren't you know have a very you know the best possibility not to be injured. So anyways, it's just really exciting to get them back on the field, but the Bombers will be, you know, in my opinion, and going through all the teams like I have over the last two weeks, they are up there in the conversation and they will be contenders to repeat in 2021. Two things for me. um, And we won't, I mean, we'll talk about this as we get into camp and into the season, Um, the loss of Medlock and the long snapper. We don't talk a lot about long, long snappers don't get the, the credit they deserve. Um, Special teams is so huge in the Canadian Football League. That's been a strength ever since Medlock got here. Can that still be? But let me ask you this, Jeff, because you brought up Lapo's gone. Buck mm-hmm. Pierce is the new OC. Chris Streveler's gone. Since, I mean, the last time like, we've seen Streveler play in the NFL in the playoffs. I mean, that's all happened since the Bombers won the Great Cup. Totally. So you've got Caleros coming in, who's a very different quarterback. And let's not forget, the Bombers were sort of a CFL unicorn in 2019. They were a team that completely relied on their defense. They had minimal passing numbers for the most part and ran the ball both with their quarterbacks and their running backs more than any team in the Canadian Football League. Based on the changes, both roster, coaching, and especially at the quarterback without having a Strebler in the mix, how different do you think this Bomber offense is going to be and how much more pass-heavy should we expect it to be considering how they won the Grey Cup, which is a very unconventional CFL method right now in this era. Yeah, I think they should be a deeper throwing team for sure. I mean, that's obviously been kind of, you know, the knock. It's also been a bit of a a bit of a strength for them. Clearly, this offense over the last three plus years has been run through or three years have been run through Andrew Harris. Um, you know, it was obviously a massive safety net. If you looked at, you know, his, his receiving numbers and his yak yards, I mean, those added up. Right. And so, you know, what can you, what can you expect from, from Andrew this season will be a big one, but you know, as far as like this offense, you're right. Huss. I mean, you bring, you bring up a ton of good points. I mean, I think that the, the reality is, is because they have such a good offensive line because that ability to buy time and protect a guy like Zach Claros is so massive. I mean, if they would, if they would have, Ottawa's offensive line um, right now. I mean, we would, I'd be talking about how the Bombers would likely finish last in the West just because you need that time and space. And, you know, Zach Caleros is, yes, his, his resume is short with the Bombers to a certain degree. And you're right. There's definitely a unicorn element to that and that the defense, you know, drove them to the, to, to that Vic, you know, to the great cup. But you also got to understand that this guy's a lot, Zach Caleros is a lot more mobile. Than, than Matt Nichols and can extend plays. Now, what, what Matt Nichols was great at was being risk averse. And it almost kind of got to a point where it was almost excruciating because he never tried those plays. And those plays being like the one where you go back to that, that you know, that last ditch effort play from Zach Caleros to Darvin Adams in the back of the end zone, that would not like, I wouldn't even give you a percentage of the times Matt Nichols would complete that. And again, this isn't a shot against Matt Nichols as a player. It's just the way he worked and how risk averse he was. He wouldn't even have made that throw. It would have been in the, it would have been in the upper deck stands and, you know, and because the guy doesn't do any negative body language, he just would have went to the sidelines. But the fact that Zach Caleros is capable of doing that. And it's not just that play because it's easy to point to that play and go wow what a play or whatever if you looked at his game film he's not afraid to fit balls into small windows now could that end up costing him possibly but it didn't and so that fearless 
you know, fearlessness of, of being a quarterback is an element that was kind of missing. So I, I think that Buck's going to expect, you know, with Caleros as his full-time quarterback, I mean, Strebler might even come back. Who knows? The timeline might work out. We know he loves Winnipeg. I wouldn't rule out anything. Um, but Strebler kind of used his gifts that he had, and that was a lot to do with running. So, I mean, when you have that guy, you're going to use that guy when he's that effective. Caleros has a completely different skill set, so the offense is going to be worked around him, and no doubt – will he be able to throw the ball better? And I know I was giving a bit of grief to the receivers, but they're also receivers that Claros has worked with before. So there's, no, there, there's, there's that chemistry there too, and we should expect deeper balls, and we should expect deeper plays just because of the quarterback play. And I also think because I don't think we can rely as much on Andrew Harris, nor should the Bombers want to rely as much on him. And I think allowing that, that deep ball game to progress will open up things for 33 and make his life a little bit easier than yeah. having to constantly take the ball and, and run with it. Yeah, and listen, I'm glad you, you brought up the O-line because, you know, it's natural when we sit here and maybe it's the influence of fantasy football, not more in the NFL than the CFL, but people still play it. And, you know, when we watch the highlights, you know, you're watching the highlights of a touchdown pass. You're not watching a pancake block on the offensive line. But when you look at the Bombers, and, you know, we've talked about the running game and the defense. I mean, the Bombers kicked the Hamilton Tiger Cats ass on both line, both sides of the line of scrimmage relentlessly for 60 minutes in the Grey Cup, and that's why they're Grey Cup champions. And, you know, I think if you are a Bomber fan, realizing the uncertainty of this year going forward, and I'm sure this is the same thing that Buck Pierce is thinking, the one thing that the Bombers, I think, believe that they can count on is that they have an elite offensive line, which is going to help the running game and certainly help Zach Caleros give him the time to do what he needs to do. And on the other side of things, you bring in back Willie Jefferson, Jackson Jeffcoat, guys that have been established and done it before. I mean, if those guys are the guys that we remember this year, the Bombers will be starting off on a very good foot, regardless of who they play in any game that they kick off against. We all know that games are won and lost in the trenches. So if you're unable to protect your quarterback, if you're unable to provide him enough time to execute plays, and obviously there's an onus on, you know, the receivers running the proper routes, the running back, if he's if he's got a blocking assignment, and of course the quarterback, and that was one of the great things about Matt Nichols, was he got rid of the ball extremely quick. His reads were extremely quick. Um, I'd argue that he wouldn't go through all of them, but uh, they were quick. You get rid of the ball early. So, you know, those are all important things. And, uh, and to the point of the trenches, if you if you don't have that protect, protection on offense, you're screwed. If you don't have that pressure on defense, you're also kind of screwed because we've seen that inability to get pressure on the quarterback and what that's resulted in with the secondary. I mean, there were stretches of last season. This team wanted to get rid of that group, you know, and certainly years before that. And Richie Hall had a target on his back and all those things. That was an inability to get to the quarterback. And so right now the Bombers, arguably their two strengths are those sides of the ball. They have are, are the two sides of the trenches. So with the, with the defensive line they have, they should be getting more pressure, which should take an elite, you know, alleviate some of that pressure from the secondary. And then of course, as we've been talking about that offensive line and, and, and it, it's just not just an offensive line that's been together for a good chunk of time. It's a, offensive line that's been together for a good chunk of time and been one of the best in the league. So there's an expectation there, at least, you know, if you're worrying about parts of your roster, you you arguably have two of the most important positions that you're kind of like, yeah, we're good. So that's the, that's the advantage that the Bombers have and certainly will allow them to get through whatever growing pains or at least help get through whatever growing pains will exist with no preseason games. Jeff Hamilton of the free press with us here on Winnipeg sports talk. Um, 
one question. There's been a few people asking, uh, what, what's the, is Medlock retired? Is he just not into playing this year? Is that it? And I guess yeah. after that, is there any sort of competition for the kicking job or is it basically there for the youngster to take and, you know, sink or swim? Yeah. Like, so he, so that was kind of the question that was kind of up in the air because Medlock's kind of played this game a little bit where he's waited. Right. I mean, even, even the 2019 season, we all thought that he was kind of done. He was going year by year before that. And then, you know, decided to come back. And so once they won the great cup, there was questions going into 2020. And then when they didn't have a season, it kind of seemed almost like an obvious move unless, um, unless Justin had all of a sudden had this, you know, was reignited with this love of the game and, and, um, and wanted to come back. So, but even leading up to these like preseason calls, we had Mike O'Shea talk about it. And he like, he said, you know, he definitely made it sound like he wasn't coming back, but then Kyle Walters ultimately came out and said he wasn't. So he's not coming back. You know, he's enjoying life. I'm sure there were some of the restrictions in the family. He's got small kids, obviously. And there was probably a bit of a headache. And if you're already on the fence, you know, then there, you know, there's the element of negotiation too, because he had a very handsome signing bonus in 2020, which was a lot of his salary in, in 2020 that he got and didn't have to play. So I don't know if that plays into it, just given some, you know, some of your uh, listeners that, uh, you know, some insight there might be there, but uh, the other big thing too is Chad Rempel's not back. So Chad Rempel, and you mentioned the long snapper, um, they're like a tandem, you know. And and if you know anything about Justin Medlock, if you read anything or ever heard him talk, he was very meticulous. He is very, very, very meticulous in his kicking. And part of that, you know, and like I said, this guy's the kind of guy who's like there's angles and directions and coaching and he'll make a guy like the backup long snapper do like or and holder do like a thousand reps and just there's a science to it but a big piece of that you know experiment if you will is chad rempel as long snapper so when chad rempel was not coming back to the bombers and i think that decision was made relatively early i think it kind of spelled the end for him um and you know we'll see i mean Maybe he gets bored and all of a sudden wants to in this Mark Leggio guy who the Bombers drafted. They're, you know, high on, um, which is kind of interesting to me. And I'm not saying that not, like this guy came and he set lots of records and, he, you know, he was great. We've seen that before at, this, at the U sport level and we've seen, you know, success doesn't translate to the CFL game really ever. Lewis Ward obviously being somewhat of an exception, but we all know his crazy story, you know. So it, it will be interesting to see what he's capable of doing. Um but it's just a bit of a shift in ideology that the Bombers have had for so long under Justin Med. Like kicking was so important to Mike O'Shea because it meant points. And if the Bombers could get close enough, at least they could get the three points. And they lived off that for a decent amount of time at points of, of seasons while, while Justin was here. So that is a big loss. And it's it's an area that I should have brought up when you asked me originally. So I'm glad you did. But um, I think they're just ready to play it out. I think you could, there's probably some kickers they have on, you know, on, on their list of people they might want to bring in in the event something happens but at this point i'm pretty sure it's this legio guy who's uh who's up and ready to go for it so well, well and, and you know what i mean you mentioned u sports kickers i mean there have been a number i mean i think hyrulahu who came here and started right. here in winnipeg and you know it was sort of you know a young cheap canadian kicker helps you in a lot of other areas uh but when you go one for six and you lose a football game um you know they realize they have to go another way and that sort of created the need to right. pay big money to get medlock and you know, it was money well spent. I don't need to explain to everyone that. But, I mean, Hyrulahu turned into this incredible kicker, but it took a while. <laughs> and, exactly. that's well, the, that, and, that, and that's what I meant. It's not that the Canadian kickers aren't good. They're good. They just take a bit of time. And can the Bombers afford growing pains at the at a position that, you know, we both said they kind of – 
coveted for for quite some time when they had when they had Justin Medlock. So yeah, it is interesting. I mean, it's let's it could be a great story, it could be a disaster. But I think the good news is kickers aren't hard to find. There's only X amount of professional jobs out there, and maybe there you know maybe this kid comes in and he's awesome. Maybe there's a bit of a revolving door at kicker. We'll see. Yeah, Leighton Janice, bring Troy to retirement. I guarantee you, West didn't yeah. say he's ready to go. He's always said he never retired. He's ready to go at any time. Uh, exactly. Jeff, this has been awesome, man. Uh, of course, camp gets going on Saturday. Uh, folks, if you haven't already, get to Free Press and Winnipeg, freepress.com. Jeff's got a great piece on all of the CFL teams heading into camp. Uh, what's going to be keeping you busy, and uh, what will we be uh, looking forward to seeing from you in the Freep? Yeah, camp finally starts Saturday, so like official official football coverage is nice. I got a I got a story brewing for next weekend that's going to be awesome. Don't want to tease it just yet, but keep your eyes peeled for next Saturday. It's going to be a great piece on the Bombers. Um, just kind of keeping busy, man. I mean, I'm always doing my regular kind of beat reporting coverage, whether it be hockey or, or football, and and you know I always got a, about five or six irons in the fire <laughs> on the outside, just waiting to pop out. So probably a lot of uneasy people out there. No, I'm just kidding, but that, you know it, it's an opportunity opportunity to kind of uh, it, it is a great opportunity to get back to a beat i will say that it's it, that that's my immediate future i will stay on the investigative stuff i have been there's been you know stories i'm digging into and constantly been working on so that's kind of in the background but i really am looking forward to just getting back to football and sharing some insights and talking to some guys i think that's one of the biggest things i've missed over the last you know 16 months here is is talking to people talking to players talking to people around the cfl i think that's one of the beauties and that includes fans you know and and you know getting emails and being able to talk about crappy wins and great or sorry crappy losses and great wins and all those kind of things those are all part of the job and things that i like so that those those are on the uh, the docket beginning saturday and we'll uh we'll see what this team looks like we're gonna get an answer to a lot of the questions that we brought up over this interview so well and i guess speaking of interaction with fans i mean we uh and we've all had such a great time uh, you know in this new medium interacting with people on these shows and of course cfl 360 is going to be starting you'll be joining db on that uh, any um, idea when we can look forward to uh the first 360 with the two of you yeah, we're trying to fit. We're not we're not going to name a starting date yet. We're trying to be a bit more strategic because we want to bring the fire. Right. So we want to have enough that's happening in the league, which I think you can make the argument starts once training camp starts. But that first week might be interesting. I think it might be more interesting two weeks down the road. Um, it certainly will be before the season. Um, but we're just kind of ironing out the details and trying to figure out what kind of tone we want. And, you know, it really is just a lot of fun, man. I mean, there's a lot to talk about in the CFL. There's going to be a lot to talk about this year. And all I can promise at this point is. Uh, I'm not going to hold back. So, <laughs> well, listen, uh, we'll have you guys on before and let everyone know the when it's happening and that uh, we look forward to it. But this is awesome, dude, as always. Uh, thanks for doing this. And uh, we will catch up for one of these very soon. Yeah. You, when you sold that, I was like, oof, I, I want to try one of those soon. Hopefully it's with you at the other end of the table. So great having me on, man. Thanks a Take lot. Take it easy, dude. There he is, Jeff Hamilton for the Winnipeg Free Press. Give him a follow on Twitter at Jeff K. Hamilton. And I look forward to CFL 360. Going to be a show, I believe, weekly at least with bombing and Jeff Hamilton uh, contributing to that. Um, big shout out to our friends at Assiniboia Downs. Uh, we had... Uh, well, I'll ask Remus in a second how he did. I uh, got one win last night. Didn't quite make the 20 back, but I'm now to have a few winners in the last couple of days was big. We have to wait till live racing returns on Monday. And listen, we heard yesterday there will be more relaxing of some of these health restrictions, I would think, especially considering we had 2,000 fans at the soccer game last night. I see no reason why they won't be able to get at least a certain number of people in for live racing. So we'll let you know about that. In the meantime, 
the Terrace Dining Room is open and you can't get in there, but you have to have a reservation. So for Monday, Tuesday, or Wednesday, if you want to get in, bet on the horses, be there at the track, and eat some incredible food, you can do that at Assiniboia Downs. Find out more at AssiniboiaDowns.com and make your reservation. And of course, as always, you can bet the track here in Winnipeg and races around the world at HPIBet.com. And, uh, man, I have to tell you, folks, I know we've been talking a lot about Aikens Lake and uh, this incredible flying fishing lodge here in Manitoba. I am so excited. I have not really done anything, you know, generally fun since I went to Houston in January of 2020. And I'm counting down the days to getting up with a few close friends to Aikens next week. I'll be doing a bunch of social media out there. As I mentioned, I'll be gone Friday and Monday. We have a couple special guest hosts to come. Uh, and we'll let you know about that early next week. But um, if, you, if you're looking for an incredible in Manitoba vacation spot, especially if you love getting out on the water, uh, there's nothing like Aikens Lake. Find out more online at AikensLake.com or you can hit Pit Terrain up and uh, get more information on Twitter at Aikens Lake. All right, we'll get to the cool bet lines in just a minute. Great to see everybody in the chat filling up some great comments this afternoon. Michael Remus back in here. And, uh, you know, uh, man, just that conversation with with Hammer combined with being at IG Field last night for the soccer game, Reem. And uh, I am exceptionally excited for camp to get going and uh, especially for the 5th of August when the Bombers and Ticats renew that rivalry. Yes, that's... Uh... Me too. I, I'm. I said this before. Here, I'm excited for CFL fantasy. Let's go. I need that fantasy football. We love playing on DraftKings. It's really given me uh, better knowledge of the league and the players. Having them in fantasy. So and uh, betting. It as turned well. you into a straight up CFL guy. Like you were always, you know, a casual fan. I would say, but I will say this yes. without a doubt. The last couple of years when we were doing our warm up DraftKings pools. Uh, the knowledge that Remus would drop about the skill position players from all the teams was absolutely incredible. Yes. And uh, and we'll be doing that again. I'm going to reach out to Greg, our uh, pal at DK, and maybe we can do something cool to kick off the season. Mm. We'll have to get our boy Ben Kramer from uh, from Saskatchewan out. I think Ben mm. might have actually popped in today. I'm not sure. Uh, but Ben will get some. He's a, a great CFL fantasy mind. And some more CFL talk because, you know, with the season, the NHL ending, and, you know, obviously we're going to talk a lot of Jets going into these key dates, expansion draft on the 21st, entry draft on the 23rd, free agency on the 28th. So there will be a lot of hockey to talk about in the final couple weeks of July. But when we get to August, um, there's going to be plenty of CFL to talk about with the season Mm -hmm. getting going on August 5th. And I think that's really going to take us here. And that will be a main focus of ours here on Winnipeg Sports Talk. And and it'll be great to talk a lot of Bombers, but also to welcome CFL fans in from around the league to join us on a daily basis, the latest goings on around the Canadian Football League. So whether we're talking fantasy, whether we're talking the lines at Cool Bet and the betting numbers, or whether we're uh, just talking about matchups and about the local team here in Winnipeg with the blue and gold, um, it is on, my friend, and uh, that's all I could think about last night as I enjoyed that gorgeous night at IG Field. Not only am I looking forward to taking in a few more Valor games, but also getting to the uh, the main event and just seeing how big that crowd can be on the 5th of August for the first time we've seen the Bombers play since they raised that great cup, of course, against the Hamilton Tiger Cats. And, you know, kudos to the CFL schedule makers. I can't think of any better way and a better place to start off the 2021 season, which is so long awaited. Yes, uh, love uh, Bombers, Riders. Great rivalry. You'll be having some of those games. 
as well. So uh, I'm pumped. As I said, you you said it. CFL DraftKings. I was I was pretty casual. I followed the Bombers, but I'm finding myself watching like Lions uh, Esk- or Elks on a late Saturday night. Uh, for, you know, for fantasy, waiting for Brian Burnham to pull in a couple long bombs from Mike Riley. Uh, I'm I was all over it. I, I I loved it. So it was so much fun, and I think it, it did make me a fan. And if you do want to get involved with our our games. Uh, stay tuned to our Twitter and in here, and we can uh, we can promote that. I see um, who was it? Uh, Eric said he wanted to get in on on the. I like the DraftKings CFL fantasy better than the uh, the TSN game. The TSN game was so lame. It's terrible. Because like that, okay, that is so, now I know you'll agree with this. That yeah. was like they're like, hmm, everybody's playing these fantasy sports. We got to do something. Okay. Let's put two people that have never played in charge of figuring it out and creating a CFL game. And it was, I mean, I guess it was good to introduce some people and they sort of got the concept of picking some players, but it was, it was a dud. So DK, hopefully there'll be some better offerings. They've had two years to figure it out. Yeah. I mean, I'll be disappointed if it's just the same product that they came up with before, but regardless DK, I don't even sure if we could do an actual league. No. That's the one thing I've never seen people that do like their own fantasy There's... league in CFL, the way that, you know, we do it in the national football league. It's just with the fewer teams. It's, it's much more difficult to pull off. There's sites that do it, but um, I like the week to week format, especially in a team, a league with nine teams like you can't have and the turnover you can't have like season-long leagues and the one thing about the tsn fan like people discovered like you didn't need to take a defense so like people were just like leaving off defense i was like what kind of game is this where you can just <laughs> openly where it's an advantage to not have a player at a position so i mean we i kind of did it because i think i was in like the tsn league and there were some prizes but um I was like, this is this is silly. I mean, this is silly. So I like the DraftKings one. I think the scoring is good. The format is great as well. So uh, and the yes. app is amazing. I mean, the just being able to click yeah. on your app, see how you're doing, how many points you need, who the other guys have. It'll be great. Mm-hmm. We will be doing that. I promise. Hopefully, we can get a lot of you joining us on a weekly basis to play against us in our Winnipeg Sports Talk League. Now, what's up with Funky Pachunky today? Funky's in a bad he's, mood or something. Be smirching. Be smirching. The great sport of soccer. Well, bad news, uh, Funky but Chunky. Two things on soccer. A, despite the loss last night, the Valor FC game was incredible. I cannot wait to get back. I suggest everyone taking a Valor game if they haven't already. As long as you got that double vax card, you can get in. Uh, but we also have the final of Euro on Sunday. And uh, I did make my lock shot pick of Denmark plus one, which was a winner. Uh, which was great because in regulation, it was a draw. So we got that. Then England won. And I have to admit, I'm pretty happy. I have no skin in the game. I'm not English. I'm not Italian. I don't cheer for either. But being someone that lives in Little Italy, that knows so many English fans, this is the matchup that is going to take over sports on Sunday and really a lot of our communities here in the city. I think you'll find a lot of bars that will be full as much as they can be under the current health order of one or the other. I'm not sure we'll see many mixed crowds and I can guarantee you if the Italians win, hang on around bar Italia, it will be madness. And if England wins, I know that Finns over at Grant Park is going to be going crazy. I'd imagine the King's head will probably be on, but it really will be fun. Um, I'm looking forward to this. It was interesting. And we'll get to the cool bet lines right now. As we talk about this, the uh, current line 
on the matchup as I pull it up is, let's see the outrights, Italy plus 105, England minus 119. It was interesting. This opened yesterday at Italy plus 110 and immediately went down to even money. Um, so right now it's settling England is a bit of a favorite, which is surprising to me. I thought that if anything, this would be a pick em, or maybe Italy would be favored slightly. Certainly when you talk to, you know, the, the people that I respect with their soccer takes and opinions that really understand the game, that's the way they're feeling. But, um, listen, there are so many English fans that feel that it's coming home as they say. And I think that's affecting the lines as well. But, um, right now you got to check that out. Minus 119 for England plus 105 for Italy. That's the big game. We'll touch on that more tomorrow, as well as the McGregor fight. I cannot wait. Aaron Bronstetter, our great friend from TSN, is going to join us tomorrow. And we will have more on the Bomber training camp, the full Bomber preview with the great Ed Tate on what should be a great show tomorrow. Um, The NBA Finals tonight is game number two. Still believing in Suns in four, although I love Giannis on Tsukumpo. Um, This is almost a must-win game for the Milwaukee Bucks. Looking at the last 35 NBA Finals, uh, or sorry, in the NBA Finals, teams have gone down 2-0 35 times. Only four have come back to win. I believe the last was LeBron and the Cavs in 2016, when, of course, the Warriors blew the 3-1 lead. But right now, money line tonight, Bucks plus 165, Suns minus 192, and the point spread on tonight's game is four and a half. And right now, for the series, uh, the Bucks plus 260 to come back and win Phoenix minus 345. And uh, we had, I'm not sure whether it was Pat Greggy or one of the other guys from Cool Vet pop in earlier, but they did mention that the season odds for next year's Stanley Cup are already up. Remo, without, well, I guess you've got it on the thing. Sorry, so I, I you would know. I was going to ask you who you thought the favorite was going forward. I yeah. kind of, I'm a little bit surprised. I mean, the Avalanche plus 425. Vegas plus 650 and Tampa Bay nine to one. Um, like I would have thought the lightning would at least be in that same area with the avalanche and golden Knights, considering where they've been. But um, obviously the Winnipeg jets way down the list, no respect for the jets, 55 to one trailing teams like Vancouver at 50 to one Calgary, 45 to one Philly, 35 to one. And uh, many others, the longest shots, uh, you know who, the usual suspects, Detroit Red Wings and Buffalo Sabres, 250 to one. Worse odds, if you can believe, than the Seattle Kraken that don't even have a damn player yet. That, you want to talk about shade. How disrespectful to Steve Eiserman's Red Wings and the Buffalo Sabres. That's so embarrassing to be worse than the a team that doesn't have any players. <laughs> I don't know if you saw it. The Red Wings tweeted out uh, congratulations to the Lightning on winning uh, the Stanley Cup. I don't know if other teams did that. Maybe Iserman sent out that tweet uh, himself. <laughs> he asked for the password. Hey, yeah. just quickly. Let, let, let me log in. I just got to do something quick. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Hey, one thing I do want to uh, point out, Huss, we did do a uh, bracket challenge uh, at the beginning of the playoffs. I don't even remember. I kind of never looked at it. Yes, yes. But uh, this was the Winnipeg Sports Talk. So we had one winner who had 379 points. Uh, and who D, is that? D. Pickett, 1974. I don't know. Excellent. He, D. He Pickett. Had, he had the final four correct. This guy. Wow. I don't know who it is. Uh, we'll have to send her a tweet because he had uh, Tampa over. Who did he have? He had Tampa over Montreal in the final. 
Get the hell out of here. Who is this guy? Who is this guy? We should almost bring him on and get some picks. Like, never mind. Like, hey, congratulations now. Like, who's winning on Sunday? Let's make some money. Like, (laughs) what is it? D Pickett? 1974. He had the final four correct with Tampa over Montreal. Uh, Incredible. Or did he have? No, he had. I think he had Tampa over Montreal. That is absolutely nuts. Well, maybe it's an Instagram handle. Anyways, we'll look for it. D Pickett, if you're out there, if you know D Pickett, tell him to hit us up. I'll put together uh, some prizes for you, courtesy of some of our sponsors. That is absolutely amazing. I, The fact that somebody had a Tampa Montreal oh, final. With oh, wait, the that's, perfect oh, final. Oh, wait, that's not, sorry, that's not our leaderboard. That's a different one. Sorry, sorry. I okay, go to, that's the one for that's for That's the, like uh, the all, that's everyone. This is so, our winner was not going to happen. Sorry. <laughs> okay, well, D pick it, whoever I, you are. That's still I'm absolutely an idiot. incredible. I'm an, I'm an idiot. That's still incredible. That's that someone true. Had that. That's true. That I'm an idiot or that's incredible? Both. Uh, both. Both, both. Sorry, this guy won. <laughs> he had uh, he had Winnipeg and Tampa in the final, and Tampa winning. So this was actually our winner. I take okay. I, and and just, who is the winner? I'll erase that that part. Uh, not going to happen. <laughs> I guess he just just picked a bracket that he didn't think was going to happen. Okay, uh, and so not going to happen is the winner. Is the winner of the Winnipeg, of the Winnipeg sports, sports Yeah, yeah. All not right. going to happen. Congratulations, not going to happen. Yeah. It happened, and you're the winner. And uh, <laughs> yeah. we'll get a BP gift card for you, and uh, maybe a hoodie as well from uh, from DraftKings. Uh, so uh, hit us up, let us know, and uh, congratulations on yeah, there, that. You were tenth us. Really? I thought my check my my bracket. I thought my picks were terrible. I know had, I went with the Jets. You had Vegas and do. Tampa. Yeah, my, my I had the entire East Division wrong. Like everybody law, I think I had Pittsburgh yeah, and Washington playing in the second round. Um, so yeah, well, it did, didn't go that well. Anyways, thanks to everyone for doing that. We will definitely do some more pools going forward. And uh, thanks to our sponsors. Uh, oh, Clark Lawyer was right up there. You know, as well. Clark. Yeah, he was second. Clark Lawyer. I don't know who that Nicely is. Nicely done. I see. I've seen Brian McFadden on DraftKings. Yeah, uh, Hungarian Hammers. That that's to- Toth. Is that Toth? That's Toth. Okay. Yeah, that's his name from our fantasy team. So, uh, anyways, thanks to everyone that played. Thanks for you. Thanks to for remembering Remus that we did that because, needless to say, after some of my picks early on, didn't really think I was. Uh, didn't really think I, I was in the mix. I was good in the first round. After the for others, oh, Justin F. I've seen him in chat. Uh, where am I? Am I twelve ninety sucked? Anyways, who's who's that? <laughs> <laughs> Oh, there's BA. There, he's 49. Small buff I've seen. Crispy critter. Where am I? I'm like way down there. Yeah, you gotta you gotta uh, go a couple pages forward. I think. Reem. Literally, like at the bottom. <laughs> okay, I'm not on here. I don't know. Someone's wrong. Oh, there. Um, I am. 68th. Almost 68th. a nice. Almost a nice number. Yeah, <laughs> just not quite. Um, all right, we got to get to a couple more things before we finish up the program heading into tomorrow. And of course, that is. The Wimbledon semifinal between our boy Denis Shapovalov, the Canadian, and world number one Novak Djokovic. Um, a little bit of money's come on in Shapo. I've just got Coolbet right up here. He's plus seven seven seven. I think yesterday it was plus eight eleven. Djokovic still minus eleven eleven. So Djokovic an absolutely huge, huge favorite in this game. Chapel will be a massive underdog with goes without saying, but it was interesting to hear him talk about the upcoming match after he won yesterday saying, you know, how excited he is and he's playing as well as he ever has. And, uh, you know, we all know who, uh, what you've done in their past, but 
when it starts tomorrow, it'll be zero zero and the better player will win. And um, man, he's on a roll right now. So uh, I cannot wait for that Reem. And man, what a huge day for Canadian tennis. That would be if he could get there. I mean, Milos Ronic has done it before, got to the semis, maybe even in the final, if I'm not mistaken, but for a young player, you know, Chapeau Felix to both get to the quarters and now him with the opportunity to, uh, and I mean, listen, if he's able somehow to beat, Djokovic, um, you're looking at another semifinal with uh, Berrettini and her catch, the seventh and 14th seeds. I mean, he'd be right in there. I mean, the huge, the huge out right now is Djokovic, who's a minus 400 favorite to win the entire thing. Yeah, that you don't see too many um, numbers like that in any sport. Has <laughs> uh, minus one thousand one hundred. Not in the semis. Favorites. Not in the semis. First round, second round, sure. Not yeah, now. yeah, yeah. This is the semifinal, so. I mean, we'll see. I mean, if you think, you know, maybe there's a chance. I mean, just sprinkle on Chapvalov for fun. I mean, if you win, you hit a you hit a pig. But uh, I was feeling kind of good about, you know, how he was playing. And then you look at, you know, maybe you're like, maybe he could beat Djokovic. Why not? Then you look at a number like that. You're like, oh, maybe, maybe not. But I'm going to be tuned in. That's going to be awesome uh, tomorrow. Women's singles final set. Uh, quarters went, uh, or semis went earlier today. Ash Barty. Heavy favorite over Carolina Pliskova. Barty minus 227. Pliskova plus 200 for the event. We'll talk. We'll get to the odds for McGregor and Poirier and the other fights tomorrow with Aaron Bronstetter. So we'll save that going forward. And um, for the people that are really into soccer as well, a um, couple great matchups, Brazil, Argentina, and Peru, Colombia in that Copa America coming up as well. All right. So we touched on the Shapovalov matchup tomorrow. We've got the Euro. One of the things that we're going to be talking more coming up, Reem, will be Blue Jays baseball. Big win last night for the Jays. Uh, I got to give a shout out to our pal Chris Beck, who's always with us. Chris said, you know, it's Ryu on the hill. They lost the day before. Hit the uh, Jays big. Uh, bet the minus two and a half yesterday. It was the max run spread you could get. That one came in. And tonight, checking the odds, it just started at minus two and a half and minus 102. I've never seen a line like that. It speaks to the offense of the Blue Jays, just how much the Orioles stink. And the Jays really do need this win. I mean, you do not want to lose a series at this time of the season to a team like Baltimore. And it was interesting. I was hearing, I believe it was Rashman Danny earlier today on with Rod talking about more potential moves for the Jays. You know, the, the Cubs won yesterday, but they lost, I believe, 11 in a row. Um, Craig Kimbrell with two years left of team control, potentially out there, you know, Listen, it would cost a lot to get him out of Chicago, but when you consider the makeup of this Jays team right now, what they need, man, an arm like Kimbrell coming out of the bullpen could be huge for the Blue Jays. But for tonight, they'll focus on uh, pounding the Orioles once again and get another win and trying to get a little closer to the first place Boston Red Sox. Yeah, there they are. I put the schedule behind you there. 44 and 40. It's good. You know, we're over 500, but eight games back of the first place Boston. And it's funny, I keep hearing how terrible, I'm sorry, the Yankees are, yeah, they're they're not doing great. But Tampa there in second, sorry, Champa, that's Champa, because they're the the AL champs. But the Jays, three games back. Kimbrel, that would be a a crazy ad if he were on the block. Um, You know, he's kind of had a a big resurgence this year, and the Cubs had that, you know, combined no-hitter that they didn't even know about, and then went on that big losing streak, so... Uh, we'll be tuning in the trade deadline. It's later this month, so maybe we will see some uh, some big moves coming up. No doubt about it. Okay, final uh, final topic for today, and I cannot believe it, but 
the Tokyo Olympics begin in just over two weeks, the 23rd. I kind of thought it was in August, but no, it's starting on the 23rd. And uh, Rima, if you heard today, fans banned from the Olympics as Japan struggles with the COVID surge. Now, I will tell everyone, if you're on social media, prepare for a bunch of takes of people that'll be like, cancel the Olympics. It shouldn't happen. You know, the exact same thing we heard when hockey decided to go into a bubble and play. Uh, I don't know why. I mean, you think we would have learned by now. If there's an issue, I get it. You can't have fans. But there's absolutely no reason with the proper protocols, which I'm sure are in place at the Olympics. They've sure as hell had not uh, long enough time to prepare for it, that the athletes can go and compete. Will it suck for them that they won't be doing it in full stadiums? Sure. But I guarantee you, each and every athlete that's been working their entire life to get to this point and had to wait an extra year would far rather compete in a you know in a closed environment without fans for the opportunity for Olympic gold medal than to cancel it again or put it off again. So like to me it's unfortunate but necessary, but I'm not here for much of the talk about people should cancel the Olympics because I think more than anything aside from the money that's involved and all that, I think people want to watch it. And listen, half of Japan is locked down. You don't think that they'll be into watching the Olympics? I think it'll be good for the people there. But at the end of the day, to me, my biggest concern is for the athletes. A guy like Tyler Mislachuk. I mean, you remember reading our conversation with him last year when it can- when it was canceled? He had to come back, quarantine, wasn't sure whether it would be later, was training in his basement. And, uh, you know, he's finally made the Olympic team. I saw Des Scott and the girls today announce the, the Olympic team. I mean, these athletes have worked their whole lives. They deserve the opportunity to compete, even if unfortunately there's no fans. But I don't see any reason why the game should be canceled. Yeah, I think at this point, you know, you know the protocols if they have a lot of testing in place and you can follow them and, you know, the athletes are being are being safe. I think it might be tough with all those people, but I mean, you got to give it a give it a go at this point. Like, let's get these games underway. You can't just keep uh, kicking the can on these guys. So um, I mean, I hope everything works out for the best, and I, I am looking forward to the to the Olympics and uh, you know seeing Canada's best compete, including as you said, Manitobans, Tyler, Tyler Mislachuk, and uh, Des Scott with uh, Canada soccer. The good thing for a guy like Tyler is, I mean, he's competing in the triathlon. So, I mean, I'm not, I mean, just the nature of a sport like that. I mean, you know, you might see some people on the road as you're racing by, but I mean, you you can't do that in a big stadium. Some of the other, you know, events like the soccer will really miss fans and some of that, but Hey, we'll be here for it. We'll be watching it. And the athletes deserve the opportunity to go for gold. And, you know, it's unfortunate there won't be fans, but as long as the competition is there, it's about the sport more than anything. All right, great show today. Thanks a lot to Sean Reynolds for joining us from Montreal. And of course, Jeff Hamilton for joining us to talk CFL. We are just getting going talking CFL on a daily basis here, folks. Uh, We've got Ed Tate tomorrow. Eddie doing an incredible job with BlueBombers.com. We'll hit all of the aspects of Bomber training camp, you know, position battles, new players. I mean, Ed's been all over this at the Blue Bombers website. So Ed will be on with us. And as I said, we don't talk a ton of UFC on this uh, show, but there's a big, big event on the weekend. And anytime Conor McGregor gets in the ring, everyone's talking about it. The rematch, the third fight in the trilogy between McGregor and Dustin Poirier. And uh, one of my all-time favorite dudes to talk to, Aaron Bronstetter, is going to join us tomorrow. It should be a great, great show. Folks, if you haven't already, make sure you hit the subscribe button. 
if you're here with us on YouTube, if you're listening on the podcast, thanks so much for making us a part of your day. Anytime you can pop in a five-star rating and a little review on iTunes that or Apple Podcasts, that really helps us as well. And of course, if you haven't already, hit that thumbs up button. Um, big shout out to everyone here. Jeff Kabilis is doing the McGregor strut in the chat. No one has more swag in the chat than Jeff. Uh, to our friends Leeton and Brown Eyed Girl and Tracy uh, Gitch Lishka, who has an gr- interesting <laughs> interesting theory on marijuana could be used to hide other substances, they say. Well, I don't know how many substances you've been hiding, Gitch, but uh, you'd probably be a good person to talk to. Um, we've got Sean Knox thanking you. Sean agrees with me with the take on the Olympics. Of course, Taylor, John, Funky but Chunky. Cheer up, Funky, but still great to have you here. Uh, Mitch, the godfather, Mitch from WHT. Of course, Mitch Jansen as well, and everyone else popping in every day. Uh, we got a big show Friday. We will get ready for that big fight on the weekend, more training camp. Uh, we will talk about the big tennis match tomorrow. We'll see whether it's still going when we're on the air, but we will certainly be following it and get you ready for another big weekend. Again, Valor uh, back in action. If you're looking to get out to a game Sunday at 1230, which is a little unfortunate timing. Mean, nice that they could even move that up an hour so soccer fans could both go to the game and make sure they're there to see the full 90 of England and Italy. Uh, but I'm sure they will figure it out. Once again, thanks to all of our great sponsors, Little Brown Jug, Boston Pizza, Royal Sports, Nick and Nicky DQ Group, Breezy Bend, Not Autocorp, Assiniboy Downs, Aikens Lake Wilderness Lodge, and Cool Bet Canada. Shout out to Michael Remus and all of you in the chat. Have a great night tonight, and make sure you join us tomorrow at 1 p.m. to kick off the weekend here on Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Oh, my God! Shut it down! Let's go home! Thanks for tuning in to Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Make sure to subscribe on YouTube and your favorite podcast feed at winnipegsportstalk.com.